0: Love Talk Radio. Am I blue?
1: Am I blue?
2: Ain't these tears in my
0: eyes telling you? Am I blue?
3: You'd be too If each plan
0: that you had Done fell through There
4: was a time I was your only one <laughs> But now I'm The sad and lonely one Beautiful fool.
0: And you'll keep your, your part of the bargain? A deal's a deal He can stop now. Not on
1: your life. I should say.
3: Welcome to another edition of Archivist Betson Sexy, which is a podcast from the Geek Girls perspective. And I am the head hauntress. And um, this is our season finale going out with a bloody bang on this one. Uh, we're making this a mega episode to support the mega film we're going to cover tonight in the 9.30 hour. Uh, but meantime, let me introduce this my sexy witches. We'll start with the West Coast and out in the Anaheim area, we have my my Comic-Con partner in crime, the nerdiest guy to ever have a Disney collection. Um, please welcome to the wow. show. And and. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the no, it's, County. it's
0: true.
3: Eric Hogan and yay, and of course during your um, some of your recap later, um, you gotta tell us about Silver Scramings and give us a review. Oh yeah, of, uh, of mean one, but that's gonna be in the ten o'clock hour, so uh, we're, we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about that stuff later. This is a jam-packed out, uh, episode. But before I get into what we're doing tonight, let me bring on my other sexy witch. Unfortunately, Raven Jasper Hawk is not feeling well. Matter of fact, there seems to be a trend. Everyone is sick out there, including my co-host <laughs> in Georgia, in Atlanta, my partner in crime on the, in the South, the southern sorcerer himself, and the voice of violence. Please welcome to the show, Nathan Hamilton. How you doing, sir? Hello. Welcome to Sexy Witches.
2: Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everything in between. I am definitely under the weather, but the weather's actually been pretty awesome here in Georgia the last couple of days, so I'm okay with that. And I'm glad you didn't introduce me the way you introduced him because my collections are better not discussed on air.
3: <laughs> well, some of them. Some of them are okay. He, he likes action figures, like, a lot.
0: Me and too. Both,
3: and, and we both have an obsession with Elvira, so that works. So, um, okay. you know.
2: But doesn't everybody, to some extent, have an obsession with Elvira, though?
3: Well, I mean, you have to, right? I mean, I do.
2: I would hope so. Um, yeah. Yeah.
3: So, unfortunately, like I said, Raven cannot be with us tonight. She's not feeling well. And neither is our guest. She's also sick, and so is Nathan. And um two other people, that oh. like Kong, to they're sick. Um, Including one person I know that has COVID that I invited on the show. Um, okay. <laughs> so um So, people that are taking... It well no matter if you're on the show or not and and steve our executive producer of steve barton he's the executive producer of terrifier 2 um we have known each other yeah. for a really long time he was like one of my first friends on myspace back in the day like a really early wow. friend and so it's been kind of interesting because so we've never met in person i think I'm pretty sure I haven't met Steve in person. I have met Justin Fulham in person, um, and uh, and his son, who's in Terrifier too. Uh, that's because they are vendors, the Little Punk people, and um, they used to do scares at Care. So I met that and a
2: uh, and a great a great YouTube channel that's well worth a follow.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, but nice. Steve Martin and I go way back. We, you know, Uncle Creepy was his name back in the day. It still is Uncle Creepy, I believe and uh he's going to talk about you know give us a little bit about what it was like to have like the Cinderella Story of 2022 um and then later on at 10 o'clock we're going to do what's called these are a few of our favorite things that is an annual episode where we talk about everything but movies movies might get mentioned as an overall arcing topic but we're not going to talk about specific movies until january after or right or the day after the oscar nominations come out that's always tradition That's always the first episode of the new season uh so uh but meantime, we about anything. Music. I know Nathan's got a list of music. Uh, you know, obviously, um, we're going to have a, a Silver Screamings uh, cover from Aaron. Uh, and uh, he'll, and you have plenty to talk about, Aaron. I'm sure about your favorite things this year. Um, and then in the we're going to add an extra hour tonight, if we need it, for a wrestling recap of 2022 because it was absolutely one of the craziest years in wrestling and nathan and i the son of the voice of violence is going to do a review of our favorite things that happened during the wrestling season uh because it was very much a central part of our lives the whole whole year so uh you know lots of things going on uh but first you might have heard our music um that was em blue from uh i believe it was justice league and it's uh As Kevin Conroy. The Geek World took a massive hit since the end of October. People have been gone. No doubt. Life flies. Uh, Rest in peace to a lot of amazing people. Friends, too, like family members, like Tim Lucas lost his wife. Rest in peace. Um, Tim Lucas is a reviewer and also a fellow podcaster and uh, happens to be in the same Fangoria episode talking about um, magazine as Nathan talking about Just Franco. So... uh, You know, small worlds there. I'm sorry to hear about the passing of his wife. Um, You know, uh, we had Angela Lansbury, which we covered already, but a little bit. um, Yeah. And Jason David Frank, which was was absolutely, I had a massive crush on that guy. Um, So, really sad. Um, Geekdom took a hit there. Uh, A lot of people were really shocked at the horrible suicide passing of Jason David Frank. Please get help if you need it. Um, But also. (laughs) <laughs> but it keeps on going Like even with Kirstie Alley's con- uh, controversy Right Because she did, she did come with some controversy there uh, She still yeah. was part of Ginkdom, and she was Savic, The first half Vulcan half Romulan Character on Star Trek And very much a trend center um, For that type of character So you know we got to give her her props Because of course It's the best of the movies now that the windstorm's over, uh, <laughs> but it's one of the best of the movies. Um, in 1982, um, 40 years ago, we had Wrath of Khan, and is awesome. One of my favorite things is that it was released in theater. But in particular, though, I think we should cover Kevin Conroy um, yeah. specifically. Um, Kevin Conroy. Oh, and don't forget Bob McGrath. He also just passed from Sesame Street, and he influenced our generation. Yeah. Sure. Um, I really want to. We can talk about him too, but I really think we should talk about Kevin Conroy because Kevin Conroy was, he was geekdom. He was he was the reason why we're fans. Was a person like him, and yeah. you know, and he is he is my favorite Batman. Uh, I of any Batman, animated or live. He's my favorite. And him and Mark Hamill as Batman and Joker brought so much more to the table than just an ordinary cartoon character. There was so much going on there, so much chemistry. Um, and, uh, and, and 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 on top of it, he was a generally good person. I I know I've met him. I don't know, Aaron, did you get to meet him at Comic-Con at all?
1: I did, I did. He was so kind. Uh, he was actually signing uh, little mini posters for one of the Batman uh, standalone movies, and yeah, he was just a really warm, genuine guy.
3: Uh, he was—he did one of my madness blurbs. He was one of the few people that did a video blurb for us, uh, so you know, he was super approachable. Uh, it's just—I mean, everyone's already said everything, but I. I You know, the world is a smaller place without him. I'm a huge fan of voice actors, and he was probably, I mean, gosh, like, Andrea Romero, who I'd love to interview someday. Like, she's actually my hero. She's a voice director. No doubt. Um, She said when they brought him in for audition, every woman in the whole building stopped what they were doing and went to go listen. Like, the whole whole play, just, like, you know, he had, he had he's like, that's Batman? You know? And I know, there was some <laughs> kind of milt in his voice. I mean, he was a sexy Batman. His Bruce Wayne was kind of a badass. He hung out with super hot chicks and went on playboy mm-hmm. parties. I mean, he was not a wilting flower. That was another thing. They wrote such a great, rich character for him so he could shine with his voice work.
1: Now, I
2: was just at the right age for Batman the Animated Series to hit me right where it needed to when it came out. Like, I had, you know, been into comics since I was a kid, you know, straight over towards Marvel because I kind of thought the DC characters were kind of lame, you know, but, you know, they were old school. <laughs> but then Batman the Animated Series came out, like, this is badass. Like, this is really cool. And from that point on, like, when I read a Batman comic, the voice I hear in my head is Kevin Conroy's, and it will be forever. Like that is the voice of Batman. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 what Batman sounds like. No
3: <laughs> and doubt. Is, and, and it was really cool because you know, obviously, like he had an unsung, beautiful singing voice, and "Am Blue" is such a beautiful song. There's even he even in a full yeah. cool version, but it's more upbeat, like his studio version of it. I really like the version from the from the TV show from Justice League. That's a, I think
0: it's that's a, that's a great yeah. episode too.
3: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Um, uh, I think it's Justice I, I, League
1: Unlimited. God, there's
3: just,
0: one no. There's
2: one job. episode, all right, there, that, God, I cannot remember the name of the character, but there's a girl who is causing a massive amount of damage in a city, and it's because she's scared, and she's going to, like, she's basically having a core meltdown. She's, like, radioactive. And Batman is the one that gets in to talk to her. And he, they have this heartbreaking conversation about, like, you know what's going to happen, right? And she's like, yes. And he's like, you don't want to hurt anybody. She knows she's going to die and she asks, will you sit here with me? And there's this scene of her and Batman sitting on a swing set together. And yep. if you listen to Kevin Conroy's voice performance in that scene, it is the most emotionally complex Batman you have ever heard or at this point ever will hear like that per voice performance and that i don't know why it's not wanted more as one of the great voice performances. uh you know he was i i, I you
3: know it, i was in college i know that you're a little bit older than me there and so we hit we hit the show mm-hmm. as, an, as more older folks than nathan did but at the same time i had just I'm graduated I just graduated uh, high school, and I was going to my first year of college, and this is what played in the afternoons, right? After that, um, it played in the afternoons, yeah. and so did Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. I was
2: you want to ba- talk about a back-to-back and great voice adventures. acting? Here on the Atlanta market, on the afternoons right when I came home from school, it was back-to-back Batman the Animated
1: Series and mm-hmm. Ant- yeah,
3: we had Animaniacs also.
1: Yay, Animaniacs. Yep. Yeah. We also had
3: Animaniacs. Yeah, well I
1: also, uh in, in addition to the the animated stuff, uh I also loved his uh vocal performance in video games. And uh, you know, when it's you know, one in the morning <laughs> and you're you're walking around Arkham Asylum, it, that's a pretty goddamn good Batman to have in your ear. Uh, Mark yeah. Hamill's Joker just freaks me the f out. Uh, I mean, also my favorite Joker of all time. He's my favorite Batman, and and Mark Hamill's my favorite Joker. And um, one of my favorites of the year not not to skip ahead, but um, one of my favorites of the year even before we lost Kevin was uh, his story in DC Pride this year, Finding Batman, where he talks about coming to the role and coming out as a gay man and it's an amazing thing and if you haven't picked up the comic book or you're not a a person that goes to the comic book stores you should be but uh you're <laughs> forgiven um dc has put it online it's called finding batman ken conroy and uh it's free to read and you should it's one of my favorite things of the year
3: and and very timely apparently on many levels.
0: Yeah.
3: So yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm still kind of reeling from that, you know. And then like, I, let's anything else we want to say about him. I mean, pretty much everyone has said everything you possibly could say about Kevin Conroy at this point. I mean, the whole geek, the my my entire feed was just devastated. Like, you yeah. know, not just not just you know, often we're sharing rest in peace. We're sharing each other's articles about people we're sad about. There was something else when he passed that there was something like a little bit more. And I think it was like a, a collective experience of being absolutely moved by this guy. <laughs> uh, so I re- uh, I
2: remember my, my father told me about when he was a little boy and him and his friends found out that George Reeves was dead Superman and how mm-hmm. it like hit them. Like It was the death of a superhero, like someone that had kind of had an aura of invincibility about him. And I'm guessing that's kind of how a lot of us feel about Kevin Conroy's death.
3: Yeah. And even even worse, Jason David Frank, who did kill himself just like George Reeves did. There's probably kids out there or a little bit younger than us, millennials, that are, uh, you know, pretty devastated by this news, Uh, you know, even more than I was. You know, I, I always liked, cause I got to meet him at the mall once. And then I met him at AwesomeCon, con and I was 22 when he was, and that's when I met him for the first time. So it was like, you know, it, it actually made me a fan of the show being a fan of his, right. Uh, and on. I, you know, and, I, and, and Jason Trost, I didn't know at the time him and his father, that's where he got his starts in special effects was on, was on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Anything that's not Asian, like you know, is actually Jason Tross's father, and that's kind of neat, right? So you know, I end up. So I actually genuinely, unironically love the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, so and you can't. And the Green Ranger arc is one of the greatest Asian like, God, what what the, the whole genre? What is it called? Sentai is that right? In age, it's Sentai. It's like the best Sentai. Mm-hmm. Six episodes of Sentai in a row. Ever and the Dragon Zor will always be the best. Now, how does he play his flute? We don't know uh, through the helmet, (laughs) but you know it's it. it, But Vincent David Frank did his own stunts. He was a master belt. Uh, He also uh, was the youngest person at 22 to own his own dojo. Okay, he actually had students. Uh, He he's absolutely was he was an MAA fighter and a good one. Uh, he he knew many. He knows many different levels of martial arts. He was so much more than just Power Rangers, and uh, it, it sounded like he was trying to reconcile with his wife. At least that's what they thought. And, it, and while they were having the reconciliation dinner, it's what that it it was over. I don't want to get into more than no. that. It, it's absolutely heartbreaking story. You can find it online read it yourself. Um, so. It, it it i find that that it bother it, it really wrecked me to know he like died that way uh and but there's i'm sure there's kids out there that are absolutely devastated and if they need someone to talk to please talk to someone cuz when you lose your heroes like this it it does hurt and your feelings are valid remember that <laughs> so and we're a loss of kevin Cronroy all in a row can really really wreck a person like your heroes are dying. Uh, so please go talk to someone if you feel that you need to about these passings. Yes, you can mourn a celebrity. It's okay. Is it, feeling something for somebody else, even if they don't know who you are is actually a positive thing. So don't feel bad about it. Uh, if you're sad. And I mean, I was that when Angela Lansbury died. The first thing I did was put in last La- La- unicorn because it has her and Chris Lee in it. Uh, you know, enough said. Uh, it's just amazing. So I, you know, everyone copes in their own way. Watch their shows, enjoy them. Do you know? Remember why you love them. Um, The Joker favor is my favorite half an hour of television. Mm. That was a good one. That's it. It is absolutely my favorite half hour television ever. Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill are at their best in that episode. It's the introduction of Harley Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's a minor moment, it's still an important one.
1: It changed
3: everything. Um, you yeah. know, um, the writing on that episode is particularly good. Danny Elfman gets to come in and make a rare musical cameo in that episode because uh, he didn't work on the show. That was the only the only episodes he actually did some music for. Um, it's It's absolutely amazing <laughs> it's it's in that whole first season I, I is kind of a genius anyways but i always for some reason that episode always spoke to me uh so i i re rewatch that episode more than any other episode of uh batman the animated series and i've seen the whole series many many times uh so it ends up through the batman so um and i also like batman did he? Do, did he do Batman, Be- Bold and Beyond? He's also on that one, right?
2: I saw so the Brave that and the Bold. Happened. Yeah, Brave, Brave and, and the, the Bold. Bold.
3: Brave and the Bold. That's right. The, the more arty one.
2: I loved that show.
3: I did too. I think it's underrated. Uh, it, it was a.
2: It was such a love letter to the like the goofy ass comics they put out in the Silver Age. <laughs> that like, it, it was so much fun, such, right. and. Uh,
1: no, that was not him on that show.
3: Oh, I didn't know no, that was that. No, that was
1: Edric Bader, who also does him on uh, Harley Quinn.
3: Ah. Harley Quinn, that was one of my favorite things this year, but we'll talk about that later. We got a second season yeah. of Harley Quinn. Um,
1: and uh, as you were saying, if you need help, there's a, a brand new this year, uh, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You can call or text 988
3: and that's amazing, like, that we have that now. Yeah. Because it, it's well over... Here, here. Because, I mean, look, it, it, no one has time when they're in that space to look for a phone number, you know? <laughs> that's mm-hmm. not what they're going to do. I it, it, you know it sounds weird, but, you know, I've been in that space. You don't care about numbers. Let's just put it that way. Um right. So... 988, you can
1: call or
3: text. Yep. Make it easy for them. You know... But do it, do it, do it. I mean, I was watching um, everything's wrong with Midsummer uh, on YouTube recently, which uh-huh. um, is it Cinemasins. Uh, but they they talk instead of like pissing on the first half of the movie. He just goes through a whole thing about suicide hotline and call if you he need help. <laughs> He's not joking. Oh, no. no jokes, because he's just like, all right, this opening ends with a horrible murder suicide. If you feel this way, call this number. Uh, you know, so it, it, reach out. People are reaching out, and please do so. I, I see it through my feed all the time, and I'm thinking that the, maybe that's a positive thing this year. That maybe mental illness is really starting to be taken seriously. My daughter finally got her, uh, a psychiatrist as well after you try two years trying to get her one I won't go in any more than that but I'm just saying it's taken forever to do it now we've done wow. it too so, so it's important um, you know every it's been a messed up year but let's go I digress we'll talk about that later on
0: uh,
3: <laughs> I'm glad we're in the home stretch for 2022 I'm hoping 2023 is better I mean I got a lot of hope going into it as of today so we'll see what happens yeah Yay! So, um, so we got a few more minutes. Yeah, it's definitely um, been a hell
0: of
2: a year.
3: It has huh. been. So, so I need to ask Aaron, and let, you know, let's we're going to change subjects and get a little bit more, more violent, but and more death, but like this is more cartoon death, so completely yeah. like we we can move. From <laughs> one, that's one thing about geeks is we can move from one topic to another, and 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 sometimes the horror films are a great way of working out. Your sadness. Um, so we got a big one. No doubt. About tonight. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Aaron, I'll drink to that. See, did you get to see Terrifier 2 yet?
1: I have not. But speaking of people in Terrifier and Terrifier 2, I got to see the first showing in front of a, an audience.
3: That's uh, right. I got
1: to see the mean one. <laughs>
3: And it's got the same But no, I have it. not
1: yet got to see. Yeah, exactly. Art. You know what I mean? One. Yeah. <laughs>
3: He's having a great year. What's his name? The guy who plays Art, Nathan?
2: David Howard Thornton.
3: Yeah, David Howard Thornton has been on a roll this year. And, you know, no and Terrifier doubt. 2 has been a, chair, is a bloody cherry on top of that cake. Um, <laughs> you know, the movie was made for 250000 Part of that was, I think, believe, I think was crowdsourced. And ended up walking away with 11, about $11 million by the end of its Dude, run. One, in the of,
2: theaters. one of my favorite moments from my, the, my whole blue track adventure with days of the dead, when I was a programming director with them was we, uh, we did the creep show peep show, which was our horror themed uh, burlesque show in Chicago one year. And David Howard Great. Thornton was right there in the front row. And I mean, as you can tell, he's just got that incredibly expressive face. So like watching him enjoy the show was almost as fun as watching the show itself. <laughs>
3: That's awesome. And so he, and uh, so, um, uh, I'm, he's, he's been everywhere. I've seen him all through my feed and, you know, people of course, ter- like art, the clown and, and Nathan called it back from all Hell Eve. He's one of the first people to review that movie. And uh, you can tell this yep. story.
2: All is Eve that year. I said in a, in my review that art, the clown had the most, character f- had what was it had the most potential to carry a franchise of any character mm-hmm. created since the firefly family and i said that what nine years ago something like that before terrifier before terrifier too when he was just a clown a wraparound in an anthology flick that no one saw i like i saw the potential in him like oh my god i knew i knew that that character was too good to only be in that movie and damn it, he has taken the the world by not even the horror world, but the world by storm like that's that, that was a little movie that could this year man
3: it really was it's I was calling it the bloody cinderella story of the year that's what I've been calling it and and to know that some of their fellow geeks like some people that have had associations with for over ten years sometimes longer you you know are now. Like, so one, of, one of our groups had to hit, right? There's the group, guys up in New York, and then there's the guys in the south doing how, their things down here. There's very specific geeks you see all at the conventions all the time, right? Uh, you know, and to know that some of these fellow conventioneers that we've been hanging out with for 10 years, actually one or two mm-hmm. of them have hit with something good like big so and a lot of there was a lot of good indie films this year uh on on the lower level indie level uh you know because bobby easily had his film his film came out theatrically with distribution this year um you know we had flat face on uh, and we had joshua hall on the show uh mm-hmm. you know uh you know you had a lot of like lower budget films actually getting noticed and i that excited me and Terrifier 2 too is one of those films right it wasn't it was made on a song and a prayer basically uh <laughs> so and i want to talk to steve about that because you know it's actually one of the reasons why i called steve barton on the show it's like hey you got to be on and he's sick too <laughs> everyone's sick uh um, like that, mo- that movie
2: start. was made that movie was made for 250 grand that sounds like- Sounds like a whole hell of a lot of money to me, but in movie-making terms, that is... That is pocket change. Yeah. Like, the catering on most major motion pictures costs more than that. Yeah.
3: It's... Yeah, seriously. uh, Like, even, I believe, that is below the budget of Halloween in 1978, which was $350,000. So... That's
2: uh, crazy. Yeah. And And the... the quality of the practical effects they were able to pull off on that budget is fucking mind blowing.
0: So
3: it really is, and so um, I do. So if you haven't seen the movie, we are going to give spoilers, though. Um, there really isn't anything to spoil per se. It's a evil clown, and there's lots of violence and, and hysterical <laughs> moments, and um, and a lot of uh, people die the- in
2: really gory, over the top ways. Sorry yeah, to spoil and- that, guys.
3: And uh, you know, and and a badass heroine like one of our better best final girls in a long time. Uh, so you know, it it is a fun romp. It, it is not anything. It's not. It, it's perfect. It's perfectly what it is. It knows what it is, and it's unapologetic, and that's fantastic. And we want to bring on someone that made it this unpo, unapologetic mega slasher and gets to enjoy watching a, the seed grow into this huge phenomenon. So please welcome to the show Uncle Creepy himself, Mr. Steve Barton. Let's see if I can get him on. Hello. Oh, sir. You're hey. on with the this- – the witches.
4: Hey, hey! How are you guys?
3: How are you? Are you feeling better, sir?
4: Good. uh it, better is relative. <laughs> <laughs> it it yeah, kind of better than goes, what? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. It's like it's a moment-to-moment thing. This flu, you know, it's crazy. Mm.
3: Well, I'm sorry to yeah, have thank it thank
4: you well, it's no big deal, but thank you for the kind things you, you said while I was on hold listening that's that's really cool, you guys. yes,
3: uh, I agree with you <laughs> it, we are so proud of you like like we feel I feel like a den mother almost because I've been watching you work for years and and justin William, too and and to see you guys actually like create something that people love, like not just like, like they love your movie and you're making top 10 lists. And, uh, you know, how does it feel to be in the caught up in this whirlwind?
4: You know, it, it and thank you for that. It, it's madness. It's absolute madness. It's been the craziest, six weeks of all of our lives without question, Mm -hmm. seven weeks. I don't even know how long it's been so far. It's, it's just every day has been, every day has been a blessing, you know, and it's been such an adrenaline rush, but I I think we're all starting to feel it now, you know, (laughs) because it's been go, go, go for the last several weeks. And now we're just like, Oh shit, we're human. You know, I think maybe we're a little tired, and uh, I, I <laughs> certainly know I am. Um, but yeah, man, thank you. It, it was uh It's it still doesn't feel real in a lot of ways, you know. It, it feels like, it feels like we're gonna wake up and none of this shit would have happened, you know, because it is really mm-hmm. that unimaginable, you know. A, as you said, you know, a two hundred fifty thousand dollar budget. That sounds like a lot of money, but I mean, literally, that was probably like. Jamie Lee Curtis's brand muffin allotment on fucking Halloween end, you know, I mean, seriously, it's when it comes to movie making, it's not a lot of money at all. And um, it's funny. We, you know, on, while making the movie, <laughs> I, I think the general mindset was, Oh, just go as far as you want with the kids, with the kills. Nobody's going to see this in the theater. And here we are, you know, and it, it's the whole experience has been such an absolute blessing, and it, it's been so incredible to watch and, and be a part of. This I can guarantee. Looking back later on in my life, this will be a time that I I will never ever forget.
3: So let me, Hi, uh, you know, the moment that Nathan and I knew there was a hit on your hand.
2: <laughs> I know exactly we to, the moment.
3: Yeah, we went to go see it together. And uh, we were walking in, and Black Adam came out the same weekend. And there was, like, a bunch of 14- and (laughs) 15-year-olds hanging out, plotting, you could hear them plotting about buying Black Adam tickets so they could sneak into Terrifier, too. And, yes, maybe they didn't pay for it, but that means there was so much interest that people were willing to do anything to get in there. So it was. I knew you had a hit. I was like, so there could have been even if there was an R rating on it, and people didn't give a shit about letting kids in. Cause fuck, I would have let them in. <laughs> but I well, you
4: know, for- you know what's really <laughs> interesting? It theaters started enforcing the R rating thing. Uh, like maybe week two or three, because the movie has no R rating. The movie has no well, rating it's whatsoever. Unrated, it's not yeah, even can... it's no, it, it's not even unrated. It, if it was unrated, it would have to have been given an unrate an unrating by the MPA, and we just oh, never showed right. the movie to them.
0: So it was wow. <laughs> Why it was would
4: just, you? It, well, yeah, I mean, so <laughs> it was it was just its own thing. So for the first couple of weeks like a 13-year-old could go buy a ticket with Terrifier 2, and who's to say they can't because it's a, it, it, it was just such a weird thing and it was such an anomaly that no one really knew how to react to. But after about week two or three and the fainting and the puking and all this other crazy shit that happened, uh, I yeah, think that's some... got some news stories
1: about that.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, that was you know
1: actually...
4: What- you know what's really crazy about that is, like, when we were when that we found out about that stuff the same way everyone else did on Twitter, on Facebook, mm. on Instagram. You know, I wish we could say we were smart enough to think of that. We weren't. You know, we we we, we just weren't. We had no marketing budget whatsoever. There was nothing given to us, it was all just word of mouth, you know, and, and, yeah. and, the band, and the reverence of it. We had. it's funny, I'm watching Jerry O'Connell on that show, the talk, because someone sends me a clip and he's like the marketing team behind this. And I'm like the marketing team.
0: There is no marketing <laughs> team. It's no, me is and like
4: no four marketing. other people. That's
2: it. You know, I'm like there's, there's yeah. no marketing Lockers. campaign. There's no marketing campaign you possibly could have come up with that would be better than word of mouth that people were puking and
4: passing out. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It, it was, it was everything. This is one of those really rare lightning in a bottle moments. And it feels so surreal to have been a part of it. And, you know, it, it's, it's nothing anyone could have planned. You know, there, there was no, I mean, if you look at other independent movies that have gotten lucky and came out with a theatrical release, um, uh, specifically, say like, you know, Blair Witch Project or Paranormal Activity, Mm -hmm. what sets Terrifier 2 apart from those type of releases is you know, Blair Witch had Lionsgate pouring money into it. Uh, Paramount was pouring money into, uh, you know, Paranormal Activity. Ain't nobody was pouring into money in Terrifier 2, I tell you that. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we, we ended up just going out there on our own steam. We were supposed to get october 5th 6th and 7th i think and you know and it was it was really touch and go for us too i mean the ride was as wild as it seemed it really was because we wouldn't know until the following monday whether or not we were going to be put back in theaters we thought it was just over and we cracked you know a million two the first weekend and we were satisfied we were happy we were fucking delighted you know (laughs) wow Wow. who saw that coming you know and then they're like well we want to we want to keep you in the theater and we're like what really and then what happened well no not at first the second week we were actually in 300 less theaters than we were the first week Wow. because AMC didn't sign on for a second week so all of the AMC theaters did not show Terrifier in week 2 so we ended up with 300 less theaters but we made more money and that's when everyone was like hold on here this is fucking insane and uh then week 3 they super expanded us in week four and we weren't even supposed to get to like a week two. So, you know, being that we were in even in the conversation with stuff like black Adam or smile or Halloween ends, it was, it's, it was just ludicrous. You know, you know, it's funny, you know, most people, you make a film, right. And then you, you're lucky enough to find a distributor and and Cinedine and Bloody Disgusting and screenbugs they are champions, make no mistake. You know, they really showed a good degree of balls with the release they gave this movie. And, um, you know, usually when the, the studio comes back, they're like, oh, we want to put this in a theater. They usually, the, the filmmakers usually meet them with, you know, joy and, and overwhelmed happiness. And we were just kind of confused. We were like, really? This This one? This is this is this is the movie you want to put in theaters. Did did, did you watch this? You know,
0: <laughs> but they did, and
4: they um they really really championed it, and they, you know, the movie just it, it's it's a fucking miracle, man, and it, it's a miracle made purely by the fans of the genre. I mean, we did our part. We made the best movie we could, you know. But ultimately it was everybody that kept showing up and then showing up again and again and again. And the love that you guys all showed Terrifier 2 is why the movie is what it is, to be honest with you. Because when we did the first one, how the fuck do we top that? You know, the first one ended up being very beloved in the horror community. And it was championed by a lot, a lot of people. And when it came down to making part two, we just kind of wanted to give the fans back something as special as they gave us. And then you guys go and do this shit. So now we don't know what the fuck we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing yeah. you know, Terrifier three. That's what you're going to do.
3: Yeah, yeah, I guess. So. Well, yeah. Yeah,
0: but, you got to make that compl- happen.
3: Well, but there's world building, yo. There's totally world building in, in Terrifier, too. That's what's so sure. clever about it. It's a slasher, but there's a drop of this un- expanded universe you guys are developing, and that's really cool. So, yeah, I really...
4: There's, a, there's, a, there's a scope for, for sure. You know, uh, Damien, Damien's a fucking genius. He truly is. I mean, I, I've never seen anyone, this whole crew, I mean, only nine people made that movie. Aside from the actors and, and, um, you know, the random crew that would show up to build or whatever, it was nine principal people that were on set every day, busting their ass, you know? So everybody brought their a game and everybody trusted each other. And Damien, he has a, he has just a laser clear vision of what he wanted to do and we ended up you know, he thought the movie was gonna take three weeks, ended up taking three years, you know, and that that's fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I think ultimately that helped us because we were Damien was able to go back and, and just tweak and retool and, and you, the movie would never set out to be two hours and eighteen minutes. It just that's just what it ended up being, you know and that ended up talking and turning into a talking point in and of itself so it was was just every step of this way was just a different talking point and it was magical in a lot of ways because i remember you know the the tone has shifted drastically from when it was first announced that the movie was two hours and 18 minutes people were fucking (laughs) crucifying us for two hours and 18. It's like the audacity of these people with their killer Uh crown movie. And we're like, fuck yeah, the audacity. Why not? Right. (laughs) If that's how long it took to tell the story, that's how long it took to tell the story. And, and you know, if it didn't, the rule of thumb was while editing, if it didn't move the story forward or it it bogged shit down or, or harmed pacing, it was out. And what you saw was, pretty much everything. There is no director's cut. That is the director's cut. You know, we're never going to release a longer version of Terrifier 2. And matter of fact, just to be spiteful for the third one, we'll just it'll be like 40 minutes long and we'll you know, film it in Farsi so everyone has to read subtitles. I, I don't know. We'll figure out some weird shit to do. I'm joking. Please don't be headlines tomorrow. Terrifier 3, 40 minutes in Farsi. That's all I need to say. In
1: Farsi.
0: Hell yeah. Yes. I'm tweeting yeah. it right now.
3: We got the exclusive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If we could talk a little bit about the filmmaking itself, Um, you know, because obviously the money issue, I really wanted to talk. That's why I asked you to come on, because you know, the money thing is crazy. But but there's but there's a lot of really reasons why this movie is doing as well. One is the practical effects. Uh, I honestly believe. Mm that that is one of the reasons why that is you guys sell the crap out of those kills like you know they're clever they're gruesome uh there's animatronics involved there's you know it's old it's not old school i would say it's old school in the in the idea but using modern techniques to accomplish the job uh you know you know and uh so that's cool. The cinematographer uh, George Stuber, like beautifully shot film, like the the colors, is,
0: incredible? the
3: lighting, all of that is is off the chain. Can you talk a little bit about yeah. that?
4: That's all George, man. He's, I mean, again, when I say Damien has like Damien has like a crystal clear vision for for what he wants, and he and George, they're like a dream team. You know, it's like they speak their own language almost, and and they get each other. And again, it was just it, it, being that it was a nine-person crew. You know, everybody stretched every cent fifty miles. You know, so and and also there was a lot of patience involved, and there was a lot of collaboration. So everybody was very patient with each other, knowing what we would, what we had, and what we wanted to do. You know, so it, it's it's a real testament to creativity, because if you had a huge budget, a monster-sized budget, I don't think you you could be as creative as we ended up being on on Terrifier too. There's a certain alchemy that goes into making these movies, you know, and I I think it's one of those. It's just one of those rare cases where the smaller the production, the better the results, you know? And as long as you get to keep the same crew and do the same thing, I think we've earned the right to say, uh, we know what the fuck we're doing. Just leave us alone and talk to us in a year.
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs> let,
4: us, let us go make our movie. I, I, I We're pretty adept at it. Um, so I, I, it's been, it's crazy. But again, it's all because of the, the relationships on the set with each other. Everybody's like family, you know, we yell at each other, we laugh at each other, we'll cry, whatever. And it shows in in the movie, you know, that every second of that movie you could see the care that's gone onto the screen and those kills are as good as they are because, you know, it's Damien who created them. It's Damien who filmed them. So he knew exactly what he wanted he, there was a lot of trial and error. There are some visual effects touching up some of the kills, like removing blood tubes, that you know the shit you don't want to see or the shit you shouldn't see. Um, of course, maybe putting an eye on a, on a head to give it like a little bit more of a realistic look. But overall, the lion's share of the kills are all practical, and almost every moment is practical. And and it's it, it's it's been a blessing and I just want to give a shout out to uh Josh Petrino. We did do the visual effects in the movie and the, unfortunately for Josh, if you don't notice it then he did his job. So he's one of the unsung heroes, you know, who who's uh definitely put his stamp in, in on the film along with us. And it, it's just again, it's just a very a very small circle, very family kind of thing. And, you know, this is like It's a family-style movie. So, you know, we made it with one intention. That was for the fans of the first one, you know. We didn't think anyone else other than the fans of the first one, we hoped, you know, would ever go see it or ever want to see it or even if they happen to see it, maybe they'll dig it enough to go back and find the first one. Who knew? But none of us had any idea, nor we could have ever anticipated in our wildest dreams that this would turn into what it turned into.
3: I would say the other reason why this film is successful and, and I'm sure is location. This movie is got has some of the coolest locations I've seen. You guys use the Fright Factory in Philadelphia. Yeah, is,
4: Philadelphia. Is,
3: yeah, uh, which is I'm a huge uh, walkthrough person. And even ones that I haven't been to, and unfortunately I have not been to that one, could, but Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, in that area is known for their walkthroughs, and Fight Factory is on one of their more famous ones. I used to go to Penhurst Asylum, which is north of there,
0: mm-hmm. which
3: is one of my favorite in the country. Uh, so you, that you use that look. I, when I first saw the movie, I was like, "This looks like a real walkthrough. Where is this? Where is this?" Mm-hmm. And I did my research. Uh, and figured out. I was like, "You guys were at Fight Factory," and I was like, "Yes, and, you know, uh, and that is so cool to highlight." How did that? Do you know anything about how that happened? Because I, I think that it's such a neat thing to see those two worlds collide, and I'm hoping that the, that Terrifier 2 gives Fry Factory a bump, or uh, you know, the well, next year if, or so. If you
4: go, if you go into Fry Factory anytime, uh, that bathroom where it said Art was here, where uh, poor Brooke met her doom, it's exactly the same as we left it. Frank left everything up. It still, it still says Art the Clown was here. It, it's just, it's oh, really right. oh. it, it, walking through there is is just really, it's surreal because you people now have seen this movie so many times, and when you walk through it, it, it looks exactly the same, you know. And mm-hmm. um, Damien wanted. Damien always had this this thing about filming in a fun house or filming an amusement park. So that was, we just needed to find the right location. The outside of the place was actually Nellie Bly in Brooklyn, New York. And the inside was Fright Factory. So once Damien found Fright Factory through Friends of Friends, because that's how, that's how everything of this movie was made. It was like, oh, let me introduce you to this guy. Let me introduce you to that guy, you know. And the whole movie was that that was the spirit of it It was just people coming together to do something cool And Frank, who runs Freight Factory Was kind enough to Pretty much let everyone do what they needed to do You know, and uh, We hope that it gets a bump I mean, it literally is Home of Terrifier Right now, you know it, ah. it's, If you want to be on the set That's as close as you're ever going to come If you're not actually on the set So that's pretty cool, you know And I think he's even going to I don't know for sure, but I think he might even work with a facade to make the terrifier thing a little bit more prominent too. Cause remember there was that really mm-hmm. cool uh, terrifier entrance and that was only two feet tall. That was just a little miniature. Uh, it, it's so funny, man. It, it's like we, we, we've made all this shit with nothing, you know, and uh-huh.
3: it, it's
4: just to see what it's turned into is just, it's just, it's mind blowing. But I got to tell you now that like it's winding down, it's like, our endorphins are still shooting. It's like we we got the, we've been, it's like being high for seven weeks and now we're all coming down. We're like, wow, what do we do now? You know? So it's been, it's been crazy, man. And th- th- I, I cannot state enough that this is all because of the fans and, and how much they've embraced this. You'll never hear us call art, the clown an icon. Um, I think what a lot of people, when they make movies, I think what they get wrong sometimes is, I mean, having worked in the industry for twenty seven years now, you know, uh a lot of people have come to me and said, Oh, I've got the next horror icon or I've got the next midnight movie or I've got the next cult classic and I'm like, Well It's not for you to decide, man. You can't make something like that. That's up to the crowd. That's up to the horror fans. They're going to decide who the next cult icon is. They're going to decide what the next midnight movie is. You don't have any say in the matter. That shit has to happen organically. And luckily, you know, do I think Art the Clown is an icon? I, I think he's on his way, you know, and we're very happy to let you guys do all that talking for us. You know, and we never want to
3: tattooing.
4: Oh yeah, dude. I mean, it's, well, that's, <laughs> it's funny too. When we, when the first Terrifier came out, I was in a show in Texas two months after its release and I'm walking around and I see people with tattoos and t-shirts and, and merch and all this other shit. And I'm like, I, I stopped and I called Damien. I'm like, Damien, do we have merch? And he just started laughing, like, fuck no, we don't have merch, right? (laughs) And I'm like, well, I I think we're on. That was, like, when I kind of knew that we were really on to something because then the murals started popping up and then the tattoos and people started making their own stuff, and that's still going on. It's just been – it's been more than we ever could have asked for and more than we ever could have hoped. And, you know, we're – again, we were – caught as surprised as everybody else. You know, when I say that this is a very organic thing and it's because of the fans, I mean that you guys didn't just take the ride with us. You were in the fucking car with us, you know, and that's something we'll, we'll never forget. And it's just been amazing.
3: So let me ask you, I know that you probably are going to say they're all my children, But if you have to break it down to your favorite kill in the movie, which one is it?
4: You know, everybody says uh, the bedroom scene, and I I love the bedroom scene. And poor Casey Hartnett, who uh, played Allie in that scene, she was covered with so much blood that she literally at one point was sticking to the floor and had to be removed.
1: Uh,
3: Yeah. I mean –
4: that is just, su- it was such an aggressive kill and you got to love anything that ends with a crescendo of salt and bleach. But if it was my favorite kill, uh, my favorite moment was actually Brooks, you know, in the bathroom at Fright I-, I-, I loved the way her face caved and the-, the hydrochloric acid and just the brutality of that kill was just, I-, I just, I loved everything about it. Plus she was also my favorite character in the movie. I mean, everyone was, was incredible but something about kaylee hyman and what she brought to that character really resonated with me as a as a person and i think i I think that's cool because i I think we use the extra runtime wisely because everyone has their favorite characters and if it wasn't for that little bit of extra time that extra 20 minutes that we got so fucking laughed at when we announced you know Um, I don't think people would have connected with these characters as much as they have, because now there's all these fan theories, and we love seeing that stuff. Oh, maybe this one's that, maybe this one. It's so cool to see all that happen, but I don't think that would have happened if people didn't have a chance to really get to know these characters and, and really, like, relate to them, you know?
3: And then there's also the weird thing that like pro wrestling and your film collided and pro wrestling and horror are two of our main subjects here. Uh, and you yeah. have Chris Jericho uh. in the show, um, in the singer. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, it's been, it's, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I feel the roller coaster and I understand you're going through a fatigue at this point, you know, but I think it, what, what does these kind of films do? They lead to the next film. And if Damian yeah. Leo, Damian, uh, that's his name. I always mess up his name. I'm sorry. Uh, if he if he gets his next job, if George Stuber gets his next job, then that is what matters. And he'll get bigger budgets every time. Uh, you know, and and he might even have a little bit of creative control. Uh, because he well, they, I mean, they have, they've worked they've proven on a budget that they can produce a film on time. Yeah. <laughs> and that is practical well, stuff. It matters. So but we
4: made we made over forty times our budget, which is unheard of. You know, it, we made. Uh, I think currently we're approaching twelve million because it is still playing in some places, which is fucking mind blowing. Um. Yeah, it's been crazy. And Chris was great, too. Chris, um, Jericho was a big fan of the first one. He, he based a lot of his character of the pain maker after Art the Clown. So he, he really wanted to be in part two. And it was great to have him. You know, I mean, he, he brings he's there for a little bit. But, you know, he's such a larger-than-life character and, and such a professional at what he does. That, that's the thing about wrestlers, man. Wrestlers... They're natural actors. They truly are because they have to get everything in front of people live right the first time. There are no second takes for pro wrestlers, you know. So any wrestler I've ever met, including Glenn Jacobs, uh, I mean, they've all just been really good, good actors and and could just give you what you need without a lot of prodding. So, yeah, I mean, Chris will probably be back. I think Art has a little bit of a date with him. They may have to tussle. Nice.
3: Uh, I'm, uh, I'm all bored of that for that, absolutely. Oh well, I mean goodness. that's where
4: art ended up, and if someone's going to stop art, well, you know that's not going to end up so well
3: for them. <laughs> I art, it, art is such a great design as well. He's he's pleasing on the eyes while he's horrific. I want to say my favorite kill in the movie was the girl's mom, and when he went to the door and used it as a tractor seat barrel. <laughs> That the head Uh that that was I think we both laughed out loud Nathan right when that happened yes yes we did extremely loud and people looked at us like we're crazy but we don't care Uh, yeah we did we because
4: it's darkly
3: funny
4: I think that's what really sets art apart from I mean listen I am in no way comparing Art the Clown to like a Jason Voorhees or Freddy Krueger or anything like that. or Michael Myers. I mean, those movies are, okay. are stellar and iconic for their own fucking reasons that they've deserved every accolade they've gotten. But I, I think what sets art apart from characters like that, the usual slashers, even the heavyweight slashers um, is you run across Michael Myers, you're dying and he's moving on. Art will sit there and fuck with you for a little while. You know, he plays with his food and that he also he also exhibits like things that are very human, you know, and he brings that to me. David Howard Burton brings that to it and you'll see art washes laundry. You'll see him break into a house to get a glass of water. You know, it's, it's those little things. I mean, the fucking mashed potatoes. If we had one regret is we didn't get to film him making the mashed potatoes. It's such a gimme in retrospect, you know, but um, it, it's those little things that people really connect to because he is, Art is like evil incarnate, but he, David plays him in such a way that you kind of want to hang out with him, you know? <laughs> and it's funny, too, because when you see David in, in in makeup for a photo op at a convention, he's Art the Clown. He's not David Howard Thornton as Art the Clown. As soon as that makeup goes on, everything about David changes. He The way he walks, the way he looks, the way he smiles – Everything about him changes, and for the, every second that he's in that makeup for the fans, he is Art the Clown. He is no his, longer David Howard. Gordon.
3: His career is absolutely soaring right now, and it's a joy to see. And uh, Aaron got to see the sneak of the Mean One this weekend, so we're going to give a review of that after you're off air. Uh, oh. So it's so exciting, like to see. It. I can't see. I can't wait to see what comes next from this crew yeah I and, and you know there's
0: more
3: <laughs> there's so much more and not just terrify three i think there's other things there too i can't wait to see it and i'm so happy and i hope that we bump into each other at some monster mania or Chiller tv or something in the future i've moved south i'm but always I, still, a, I, I still love those I'm, two conventions so
4: i am always at monster mania so feel free to come up and say hi
3: oh that'd be wonderful i i miss i miss going up there so terry hill can be crazy oh my god can it be crazy uh you know but uh... it's awesome and i all you know um that was one of the fun things about living in maryland was being able to go to the two monster manias and you know having reached to those conventions up there and i lived in outside parsippany for a while so tiller tv and i know each other really well uh you know Mm -hmm. so um uh, and I hope I get to see you again if I'm uh, going back north because i go up there I'm still going up north occasionally for a little while longer. So um, what is, uh, uh, before we let you go, do you have any immediate plans that you are looking at or is it just for taking the holidays off and resting and then getting a fresh start next year?
4: I, I think we've all earned a rest, to be honest think- with you. I mean, uh, <laughs> Mike Levy and the Fuzz on the Lens guys, everybody's finishing up Stream, which is looking fantastic. And uh, that's going to be the next movie from at least a lot of the principals of the Terrifier crew. And other than that, you know, Damien, Damien has his entire career ahead of him right now. You know, there's like every conceivable door. You can imagine is open because Hollywood, more than anything, and I'm sure as reviewers and, and journalists, you can attest to this, it's a replication machine. So what Hollywood wants to do is they want to find out why Terrifier 2 worked and make ten of them, and yeah. <laughs> you know that's just the way it works. But uh, what yeah. I think they're really dropping the ball with and fumbling is you can't really replicate what happened what happened. All we can do is when it comes time to make a third one, to just make the best movie that we can. And that's what we did with the second one. And that's what we'll do with the third one. And then by the time we get to the 10th one, we'll have visited Hawaii and be shot into space and whatever other fucking thing <laughs> we have to do. Uh, but no, that, no. let me let me take that back. Uh, you will never see art in Hawaii or shot into space when um, gaming is very Aww. clear. Well, no, listen, when there's enough story, when there's no more story to be told, there's no more story to be told. We, we're not looking at forcing it. We'd rather make three or four really good movies than, you know, 10 movies with like, you know, four good entries. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. We don't want it. We don't want it to oversaturate itself. And, we, you know, we're very careful with the character of Art the Clown and what he does. And we do have plans for a third one that are pretty fucking ludicrous, and, oh wow uh, I,
3: yeah i i good. there ha, there has to be a third one i mean it, well, it,
4: we're, you know, we're, well, nothing is it, set in stone, but we are talking about it. it
3: it it really though i I would think that the audience you know you know your audience, and I know that you know that they want a, they want a third one, even if you don't go any farther than that, I think one more people want to see these characters again. And they want to finish yeah. the story arc. And and, and, and whether... that's,
4: that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know if you're gonna see it in twenty twenty three. I don't think any of us are ready to rush right out and and jump right back into the saddle to shit out another movie for next year. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't
0: think uh, no I, 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 I think okay. the
4: yearly no, I, I think the yearly entry thing just hinders movies instead of helps them. You know, I get that, you know, everybody would like one, but everyone would also like a good one, you know? Yeah. And I, we don't want to rush it. I mean, this movie, literally, it's not even out on Blu-ray yet, so it needs a little bit of time to breathe, you know?
3: <laughs> yeah, um, but you can. Will there be director talk.
4: commentary? Oh, the, there's a director's commentary on it, and Damien gives it You're awesome. A lot of the questions that people had of, like, especially the Clown Cafe scene and what Sienna and Art really are to each other, he he talks about a lot of that in the commentary. Nice. Not out yet, but you
2: can pre-order it.
4: Yep. I got my 4K version pre-ordered. I don't give a shit. That's right. I'll buy my own (laughs) fucking movie. (laughs) (laughs) I want to make sure I get that cool-ass fucking Star Wars packaging from fucking Best Buy.
3: Uh, oh, I, yeah. I ha- Steve uh, uh, Nathan here is coming out on the unearthed is unearthed right Columbia uh, yeah. snakes and he oh, has a God. commentary track on that
0: mm-hmm. so mm-hmm.
3: you you'll, you'll have to listen to that because um, he's steady- yeah I'm
2: ter- I'm terrified of snakes so they decide it would be hilarious to have my one of my other podcast partners torment me watching a movie about snakes on a on a commentary track <laughs> so,
4: <laughs> I mean, raise snakes. snakes are uh, harmless dude they're just dude, little sweet animals he, hey he we we, we, uh, we he, all i know that but we all have something that gets to us
0: he oh i have out. three weird.
4: i have three things that get to me dude i'm afraid of i'm afraid of heights bugs and nuns that that's my three that fun. Oh,
2: <laughs> really See, colony of Madagascar hissing cockroaches.
4: So bugs Fuck don't bother things. me at all. <laughs> see, Fuck I'm the things.
2: same way yeah. with
4: serpents, man. <laughs> Burn them with fire. I don't need them near me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I love them all. Seriously, uh, you, you,
4: uh, Fucking Some bug hisses at me. They're having a very short life expectancy because I'm going to call <laughs> my girlfriend to kill it. And see, I, I... People, people like you are exactly
2: why I used to walk around the lot at the haunted houses I worked at ter- 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 terrifying people with the uh, <laughs> with the bugs. So
4: Yeah.
3: yeah he had yeah, he had the, show bugs.
4: Nice. <laughs> show bugs. That that yeah. that was my favorite canon film from
0: nineteen eighty nine. Um so great you guys, theme.
1: great theme song for show bugs. So, no, if totally. you
2: guys, I I noticed in uh, All Hallows Eve, our first performance, he actually has a scene where they use Madagascar hissing cockroaches in the scene with him. So, if you need Maddie's for possibly Terrifier Three, I can. <laughs> I,
4: I gotta tell you, I've had a lot of pitching from a lot of people, but no one's pitched me with bugs before. So I'll keep that in mind.
3: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That would be amazing. It would be totally worth coming up there for. Bring those buggies. Just don't smush them. They're show bugs. They're
4: Don't know. So, they won't get smushed as long as they stay far away from me. They can be <laughs> in their own trailer for all I give a shit. Oh,
3: so, I, I I'm gonna let you go because I know you're sick, and I really appreciate the time you came. You called in yesterday. you were all about to throw the towel in, and you you said no. I'm gonna do this, and I said, so well, you you told me it, it was the
4: last show of the you told me it's the last show of the year how am I not yeah. going to do it.
3: Yeah, oh. no, you, yeah, you you Of course I got to. Uh, thank you and we're going out on a high note because really um this is our our recap show these are a few of our favorite things and the success of Terrifier 2 is definitely one of my favorite things of 2022. Um and Mine I'm, so, too. I'm I'm so <laughs> i sure. But I mean I'm so happy for you guys and and you have a product that's going to endure. We already know it has legs and it's going to have legs for years and it's always going to be you know that character is is the is the next franchise. We know this in the in the sense that Thank people you. will think of them you know it there's a there there's going to be kids that like we, when we were young, we watched The Burning and Friday the 13th and, and, and Nightmare on Elm Street, right? We were all teenagers and kids in those days, right? Especially your generation Hmm. and my generation. There are kids that are watching Terrifier 2 that that is going to be their film. So Mm -hmm. it's, that's an amazing thing. So
4: that's the biggest compliment in the world because, you know, we're all here for God knows how long and all any of us want to do is leave behind something that says we were here. And I I hope your lips to God's ears that, you know, art continues to resonate with fans and, uh, you know, because the fans that that's, that's who these movies are made for. So thank you. And thank you for having me.
3: Oh, I, I, I'm so glad I finally had to have you on the show. Uh, I was like, I gotta have Steve on. This is just amazing. So thank you, and it's been wonderful to watch your career flourish all these years as a writer, as a podcaster. Uh, you know, you you you've always been there in some way, and I'm. I know it's
4: is, weird. It, yeah. it's like I'm herpes. I keep I keep flaring up. Can't get rid of me.
3: Yeah, yeah we gotta nice. ha- we
2: gotta have you back sometime to talk about all of you, all of the non-terrifier two stuff. There's yeah. non-terrifier
4: two stuff in my life. Holy shit, really? N-
2: maybe maybe, yeah. maybe not right now. Maybe not right now. <laughs>
3: oh, I mean, if, if you were feeling better, I'd probably try to talk you into staying for another half hour. But I know you're tired and sick, and literally sick. And we don't want you to get sicker. We want you to rest, enjoy your holiday, and thank have you. A- wonderful holiday and a wonderful yeah yeah take your break enjoy it and and if you need to come on and just shoot the shit about anything cuz we're a pop culture podcast so you can be about anything you want call it anytime and we will always accept a call from Mr. Uncle Creepy Steve Barton so thank you so much <laughs>
4: Much appreciated thank you everyone um, merry, christmas.
3: merry christmas merry christmas oh, oh, oh.
4: giddy up jingle horse that to <laughs> too
0: take care Bye bye.
3: Good night. Woo, that was awesome. That was Steve yeah, like. from uh uh Uncle Creepy who's written for magazines for year or magazines for years and is the executive producer of Terrifier Two. Which Hella is like, cool. Bomb. I mean, seriously, I'm so happy for those guys. And twenty twenty two was a fantastic year for Horror in general Like horror is Indie horror had a huge year um, And We're going to talk about that for a minute Take a small break And then we're going to come back And talk about and These are a few of our favorite things A quick recap of, of things that we want to talk about And I decided this year Instead of doing it by subject I'm going to Well I am going to still do it by subject But I'm going to let the person do the subject And I'm going to lead off with Nathan and music. So, because uh, nice. I know he has a lot to talk about. And then, Aaron, you're going to talk about silver screens and your favorite things. And then I will, you know, bring some, if you don't bring any up that I have, they haven't been brought up, I'll bring them up or something. And we'll shoot the ship for the next hour. So let's take a quick break. Listen to the Good F, which is now on the charts again.
2: All hail
3: the tramps.
0: All hail the <laughs>
3: Just making sure i, mean, I have a br- i have a brand new headset so i don't know if it's muted or not so that was oh, by that. the cramps which um is kind actually interesting um uh, for me it was kind of it was interesting because i had heard it of course i knew the song but like i had never seen texas chainsaw massacre 2 until this year and that I know, was
0: right and that's and that crazy. song
3: that song is actually part a big part of that movie too so to have it come up in uh, uh, Wednesday was an absolute joy for me. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, oh, we,
2: we we both popped hard when we were watching that.
3: Yeah. So uh, so I, I just wanted to say real quick, because we want to save individual films for uh, for when we do our countdowns. But I've been so happy, like Terrified 2, but you also had Smile do well. You had Barbarian do well. Uh, you, right. know, you had some really good indie films do well this year, um, and that makes me smile. That horror is is like once again saving the film industry. So that is something that is one of my favorite things. So um, you know, and also with the Wednesday and with Netflix and getting like you know, Tim Burton to direct a TV show, which is like what is 2022 about? You have uh, mm. Goo, Goo Goo Mucks. Recharting with Stranger Things, you had uh, uh, you had two songs rechart. Yeah, you had, you had uh, Master Puppet by nice. Metallica, and you had uh, yeah. the, the what's the the ch- Kate Bush's song? Re-charting. Running up
0: the hill.
3: Yeah, running yeah. up the hill. And the remix of Running up the hill, we actually played on the show. It's actually the Stranger Things me- remix is really good uh so and uh, i learned yeah.
2: and i and i learned that the version of "Running up that hill that i thought was an original all those years was a cover <laughs> so
3: you oh, know
2: wow.
0: it's it's really yeah placebo
2: back in the 90s placebo did an amazing cover of "Running up that hill and i it's, thought that was the original until, until stranger things coming. holy shit that was a cover
3: but you know it's huh. nice to see these bump and these older things coming back and getting popular again and in in music in particular uh kids are going back and revisiting like not just madonna they're actually revisiting entire art forms there was a resurgence of people listening to punk again which oh my god does that make me happy um you know we had a res- you know we, th- this was what i it was gonna be a really shitty era yeah. but a lot of great music and it never kind of came into your fruition well i guess with COVID, it got delayed because here it is we got a lot of music and a lot of creativity out there And uh, people are pumping out records. The live scene is back with a vengeance. You had Merciful Fate uh, reunion tour, which was like a big fucking deal. And I actually went to that. Uh, You had uh, The Damned was on tour in America, even though they didn't have the whole band, but it was still significant that they came back and did their tour. Uh, They Might Be Giants almost died this year. Uh, You had uh, Flansburg. John Flansburg actually was in a major car wreck. Um, and almost and flipped his car in New Jersey, almost killed himself. Uh, was in a bed for oh, forever, uh, and then like, but now he's back with the Vengeance, and they're they're setting up a huge tour that they're doing starting in January, and I have tickets to that in March, which I'm really excited about. Uh, so uh, you know, the music was was really a, a huge amount of music and live music back, and uh, I am not the person to talk about it though. Uh, Nathan Hamilton is is really the person in our group that knows about the music, so I'm gonna g- give it to him. The the mic is yours, sir, and tell us about your favorite music of 2022.
4: Oh
2: God, how many hours? Um, <laughs> man, one of the one of the things that makes me the saddest on earth is when I hear people. Say, well, there's just no good music anymore, and you hear that so often, and people get stagnated into what they're listening to I have a list that I will be I want everyone within the sound of my voice who might have an inkling that that is true to please if you are not already my friend on Facebook become my friend on Facebook because in the coming (laughs) weeks I have a list of 75 good albums that came out this year
1: and if you're not find
2: something among those 75 props music, the music this year Every genre you possibly think of had amazing music. Now, I I primarily am kind of, you know, Mr. Metalhead, Headbanger, whatever. And this year, like, we had old stalwarts like Crowbar and Creator and Dark Throne and bands like that putting out amazing albums. But we saw new bands, too, coming out like... You know, Cobra the Impaler, Venom uh, Prison put out a great album called Erebus that it, it's a death metal album that has the best female death metal vocals I have ever heard on anything. Like Neo Thrash, we have wow. albums by Midnight and Devil Master and got so many bands that were awesome. Like stuff you would never expect, like Greg Puciato who was the lead singer from the Dillinger Escape Plan, who was like a technical thrash. Me- not re- te- uh, I don't even know what the hell you would call him. I don't know if you've seen class one. He put out a pop album this year that sounds like hmm. something that would have been out in 1998 called Mirror Cell. And it's really, really good. I mean, you want to go country with it. Why not? Uh, Orville Peck put out an album called Bronco. That sounds like I don't know, somewhere between George Jones and Roy Orbison. <laughs> like, dude is outstanding. Um, Arton put out a killer album this year. <laughs> like, um, they, if you want to go neo soul, neo soul with it. Saint Paul and the Broken Bones put out an album called Alien Coast back near the beginning of the year. That they've kind of always traded on music that sounded like some stuff that Stax Records would have put out in 1968, but this one, they kind of mix it with, like, psychedelic space rock, kind of, and put out something that sounds unlike anything I've ever heard, and I got to see them back in May at the Eastern, here, in the same place we're going to see uh, They Might Be Giants. Oh, my God, that was an amazing show, like... If you, want, if you want to go straight up pop, The Weeknd, Dawn FM, that was the first great album of this year, and it kills. Like, it, it may be, you know, people will frown on it because it's it's, it's too mainstream, but I, nah, fuck that. It's a great album. Like, rap, rap, rap called, oh God, what was it, Get Well Soon. And it's a fascinating album because first of all, the man just has an incredible flow bars for days, but it's all about meant dealing with mental health issues as a man in America and the stigmas and issues associated with that, which don't get talked about a lot, especially in forums like that, which it was, it's both, Super interesting and kind of an important album too. Like yeah. Lee, you got Lee Fields, like legendary soul singer, still going. Put out an album called "Sentimental Fool" this year that is like it's old school '70s baby making music, man. <laughs> like <it's amazing. laughs> uh, one of the great things about you are a lot of bands that are mixing genres, like um. The Lion's Daughter put out an album called Skin Show, which sounds somewhere between electronic, uh, like electronic goth and post-punk black death metal. I guess (laughs) it's a really, it's a really bizarre. Yeah, I I I don't really know how to describe it's it's amazing, (laughs) and like there's so many. Genre bending acts. Oh, there's one. Um, uh, oh God. Um, oh God. I cannot remember Ethel Cain. Ethel Cain put out an album called The Preacher's Daughter. That is somewhere between Americana and goth pop and in Newgays and singer songwriter. I don't know how to describe it. The album has a narrative to it. Uh, this was one I just got introduced to, like, earlier this week, on, You know, based on – I've been reading other people's top ten lists, and being oh, that sounds cool. I need to check this out. And I don't know how this one slipped under my radar, but, like, there, there's a song near the beginning of the album that legit made me cry because it's so beautiful. It's one of those songs. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but there are some songs that are so just straight up beautiful it almost hurts to listen to them.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: then at the near the end of the album, there's a song that generally made my skin crawl, <laughs>
0: like,
2: it, like, just Damn. kind of freaked me out a little bit. And she, like, I love. She is one of the artists that I'm so interested in because. And I was talking to the head hauntress about her. She is a trans artist that came out of a very strict Southern Baptist family. I hmm. also came from a strict Southern Baptist family. And there's something in her voice that I've never really heard in another artist that sounds like sounds like she was raised being told there was something wrong with her and having hands laid on her and praying that God made these demons go away. Mm. (laughs) I I totally understand that and I've never heard a voice that I kind of connect with on that level. And It's one of the most intriguing albums I've heard in a long long time. Uh, Calabrese put out a EP called Death Cult which is outstanding. Um, I think I already mentioned the new Tears for Fears album, (laughs) The Tipping Point. And if you, I did not have Tears for Fears putting out a great album in 2022 on my bingo card at all. Like yeah. that came out of nowhere. Like there's that's just that's actually some, on my list. <laughs> so was it? Yeah, dude, it was such a
1: good album. Um, Black Anvil. I'm a fan, so I just I, you know I, I was there with them.
2: Yeah, I like I was just looking. To, there's a site that I called a newreleases.com, dot com actually that I go to like every just to kind of peruse what's going on. I'm like, Wait, really? Tears for Fears has a new one? And I listened to it and holy shit it's good. Like, I've I i do not know why I was surprised, but <laughs> I was like, Okay, I wasn't expecting that. Um, Drive by Truckers put out a great album this year. Called Welcome to Club thirteen. Um On music scene and I'm I, I Apologize already because I'm butcher this. I think that's hmm. Maybe. Put out an album called Ali, which is super dope. So good. Like, if you're into goth, Vision Video had a great new one. If you're into Prog Rock, King Buffalo, Regenerator, outstanding. Uh, there's just so much good stuff. So please go out there for it because it is out there there was so much good music this year um how about you guys what have you guys been? I, I gotta mention also harley poe put out one this summer which was excellent what have you guys been listening to this year
1: well you know me i i have two six that i predominantly listen to i use i listen to tween music because i am and uh, my favorite bands are anything from the 80s, or sounds like they're from the 80s. So, you know, it's no accident that uh, Tipping Point from Tears for Fears ended up there. Uh, I think it's 18 years since their last album, and uh, they're touring, so I, I'm really hoping to catch them. Uh, oh, are Gorillas? They? Yeah, they are. I didn't know they were touring. Uh, so yeah. I'll have
2: to keep an eye on that.
1: yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. That and The Cure are – they haven't announced American dates yet, but The Cure are touring, and I'm oh, such she- a huge fucking – yeah, I've never seen them in concert.
0: Neither uh, have
1: I. And I need Holy to check that shit, that is my list, dude. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> seriously.
3: We, we were half asleep last night, and um, he was watching Sting, and I woke up and Cure was on. And whoa, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I was whoa, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And like no, up. it's Sting. And I'm like, no, it is not Sting. Hold that up. Is, that is I was Smith. I, I was not
2: watching sting. sting. I was watching
1: the police, okay?
3: Okay. It was same difference. You were like, that's Sting. I know like, you were watching sting.
1: sting. I have to with, think that you're watching wrestling. I can't right. imagine that either of you, no, you are Dream of the Blue Turtles.
3: No, if I'm saying no, but I love Sting, I would be like, Sting! No, that's different Sting. <laughs> different thing. Oh, different Sting. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Sting! Okay. No, no, but um, no. But that was really funny because I was like, that is not Sting. That is Robert Smith. I know Robert <laughs> Smith. Is. But, um, let's see, favorite, Harley Poe was impressive live uh, as well, and uh, I've been listening to their Christmas song um, all day, so that's been good. Are you familiar with nice. Harley Poe?
1: I am not. Uh, Are
3: you think sure? if Google them.
2: Think if the violent thems okay. were obsessed with horror movies.
3: Yeah, pretty much.
1: Nice. they good. Is... They're really,
3: really good. Uh, I really look for that. I loved um, seeing Tim Twin Temple live. They were amazing, and they're touring still. Um, and creator, the, twin te-
2: the great thing about Twin Temple Live is Twin Temple. If, if you're not familiar with them, they, it basically sounds like Amy Winehouse singing about Satan.
3: Yeah, it, it's exactly <laughs> yeah. What it sounds like, and, it, and everyone yeah. I know that listens to it loves it, and it is. It's like satanic Amy Winehouse. Like there is just no. I love other everything thing you about see. that sentence. And it, over, it, it, the, right
2: on. it's funny. The right. guitar player and the singer are married, and they did an totally interview, married. and they were talking about the intro. The they're practicing Satanists, and they were like, "So what?" You know, asking about the impetus of beginning the band. They're like, "We got tired of all the satanic music being metal." Nice. <laughs> so now they made this, nice. Man, this sounds amazing. And during the show, they are like performing straight up black mass on stage, like calling the corners, calling you know, calling the circle, like every getting the crowd mm-hmm. to chant along. And I'm just kinda of standing there like, I wonder how much of this crowd understands what's happening right now
0: <laughs> <laughs> And a lot of them were like know you know, a lot.
2: completely oblivious, just having a good time. That's there where some crazy. of us kinda of looking at it around like, Okay, I get what's happening here And the Bridge City <laughs> Centers opened for them, which are a like nerdy evil bluegrass
3: they're really good really good like when i when i say
2: when i say nerdy i'm talking about they get up there and go okay these next two songs are about lord of the rings yeah shut up
3: yeah. Stop!
1: Oh, I gotta and, and, then they, and then
3: they rock it like she's taking a mandolin and she's like just rocking it like a like a fucking metal guitar. I mean, she's just wailing on this thing. Uh, she's really good. Uh, the, lead, the lead singer, right. um, oh. redhead, you'd like her a lot. Uh, and um, so uh, I was thinking about albums. And I know it wasn't a great album. About two-thirds of the record was good. But I on regular rotation in my car was Ghost Imperium, the new record by Ghost. And it's not great, but mm-hmm. there's a couple of songs on there that I would blast. I, I give it the Cheese Award of the Year because the songs <laughs> are so over the top and so cheesy. But, uh, you know, they, they were it totally sound, It sounds like fun. Yeah.
2: The new Ghost album sounds like... Bon Jovi's Halloween record.
0: (laughs) You laugh because you know it's
1: true. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, no, no. I I, I can absolutely hear that in my mind, which is hilarious.
3: (laughs) Uh, I absolutely adore the song Stillways. It's like one of those songs we just like to sing at the top of my lungs while I'm driving. So, uh, it, it, and then there's, and then Little Sunshine is actually a really good song on the record too, and that sounds more like old school Ghost, and that's nice too. Like they mix it up. There's songs that sound like Rush on the record for some reason. There's one really, and and this is why I can't give it a four, a four star rating. I can only give it three and a half, is because there's a really terrible ballad on this record. Like terrible. It, it is just <laughs> work. Oh my God! I, 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 it's a black eye on the rest of this record, uh, but oh, but, it, you, it, know,
2: but you know, but all those teenage goss out there are totally using that song the way oh I used "Typo Negative" in my teenage years to try to a mood. <laughs> And professing there's a, that
3: there's a darkness at the heart of my life. Oh no! And Hunter's Moon—it's <laughs> so bad. Hunter's Moon wasn't very good either, which was one of their singles from the album. I don't know why that one got the push when there was other rec- other songs on them that didn't. But uh, but I'll you know,
2: Watcher in Watcher in the Sky is a jam, though. I'll give them that. Yeah,
3: Watcher in the Skies is a the jam. Uh, you know, the 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 first song on the record um, was it Kasarian is totally like like anthem rock at its best you know it really you, know, you know just all over the top cheese it's, it's it's so there are some fun things about this record though there are better like songs love songs than that one ghost has even on even a prequel there's better songs that way. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but well, I had to give a shout out to that record because it did play heavy rotation in my car a lot. Um, I, wow. They might be giants book book. Uh, got nominated for best packaging, which is awesome uh, for a Grammy. So yay on that. That's music. I like to talk about, uh, let's see. Um, I'll have to think about more, but let me go and go ahead and give the torch to to Aaron. Now, Aaron, would you do a, a, a quick recap of your, if, or if you, as quick as you can do. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm gonna, I'm Mike, you I didn't hint.
2: just rattle on for half an hour about music.
0: <laughs> go yeah, on. well,
3: no, I was going to give him well, the next I... half hour and rattle on about silver screens, Mean One and anything else you want to talk about um, for okay. 2022.
1: Well, I'll I'll give you 10 seconds of music first off. Um, Yes, please. uh, Kate Bush, hells yeah. Uh, So excited that Running Up the Hill made uh, a big splash. I really, really, really think this could be the year that we get her in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And if that happens, I'm trying my damnedest to convince Natalie that we need to fly out to Ohio for the ceremony, even if she isn't there, because she notoriously does not travel a lot. I think the one time. She Came to America was for Saturday Night Live back in the day. But, God damn, that would be amazing. Um, Gorillas had a new album out, Cracker Island, which has big Daft Punk vibes. Taylor Swift had two albums out, um, both really good. Glass Animals, Death Cab for Cutie, uh, Tears for Fears we already mentioned, uh, Cannons. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, have Cool It Down out, and it's been God, what, six years since their last one? Really good. Uh, My favorite of the year was Wet Leg by Wet Leg, and I thought at the beginning of the year when I heard them first, oh, oh, hell yeah. I I, I love these guys, went and listened to everything, loved the whole fucking album. (coughs) I thought, I can't wait for the Best Of show With the sexy witches, I can tell them all about this. No one's going to know about them. And then they blew up like a motherfucker. Um,
2: (laughs) I've seen that that one on a lot of people's year-end lists. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, you mentioned that one, but I've seen that one getting a lot of accolades lately.
1: Oh, my, at various times, it feels like every single one of the songs on the album has been my favorite. It's so good. I, and, um, oh God, I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> there's cursing on just about every song. There <laughs> sex and drugs, and it's just fun.
2: Sold.
3: So what, what leg me, wet leg by wet leg.
2: Sex, drugs, and cursing. I like it.
3: I mean, what else do you need in life, Nathan, right? Right? Hey, Can, I, can, can,
2: can, can I, I, I am so sorry to encroach on your time. Give me no, 10 no. seconds. Th- give me 10 seconds to one more out there that I had completely forgotten. Band called dance with the dead. The album's called driven to madness. And it sounds like a lost John Carpenter score. Sweet.
1: Down with that. So everyone check that one out. All right, go on. <clears throat> sorry. Oh yeah. No, no, no. Um, well, speaking of John Carpenter, um, Got to meet him and Sandy Carpenter briefly uh, this year, signing at uh, Golden Apple. Super uh, jealous. Nice. Uh, yeah, he's a pretty cool, chill dude. Um, he's been putting out this anthology comic book, a really limited edition. like uh, I think it's a run of 400 uh, for, I must say, like eight years. And it's uh, Natalie loves the series. So uh, every year I try to get her an autographed copy. And just this is the first time I got to actually meet him. He was just very nice and chill um, and and kind of uh, dryly funny, too. Uh, I went with a, a friend uh, from Germany, and he caught the accent. And the three of them, Sandy Carpenter, John Carpenter, and my friend, started speaking German. Uh, who knew? <laughs> uh, seasoned screamings um, put out by the same folks who do, Midsummer Scream, but instead of at Long Beach, it's at the Pasadena Convention Center. It's a much smaller event. Uh, they don't have as many things going on on uh, the stage, but what they did have was really fun. Uh, there was uh, a panel I went to about uh, dark winter legends and in addition to obviously compass and all that. Uh, we went into uh, mythologies uh, from Switzerland, Austria, uh, God bless, Finland, Japan, and the gentleman doing it, uh, I don't know, he changed his name or his name actually is Hell, <laughs> but um, he's got a book coming out, and I'm definitely keeping an eye out for that, and uh, as soon as I can, I'll pick up a copy and let you all know. Uh, I got to meet and speak with Sarah Karloff, the daughter of Boris Karloff, <laughs> at Season Screamings. Um, my, my latest obsession, uh, and I swore to God I was never going to get dragged into this, but I'm now collecting Funko Pops.
0: And, ah!
1: uh, in addition, yeah, God damn it. Uh, Another one of us to, is addicted now. Oh, God, it's so bad. And, you know, it's like I didn't need another fucking collection to start. Uh, the head hauntress has seen my house. She knows how bad it is with
3: I, things, I wasn't you know, making uh, that joke so lightly earlier. <laughs> I wasn't. Posters, I
1: books, uh, DVDs, CDs, eh, it's just insane. So, of course, now I'm collecting Uncle Bob's. But now I have a, a really nice little collection of Autographed Funko Pops. I, I Sarah uh, was really nice and autographed my Frankenstein Funko Pop, and um, I got nice. to meet and talk with Keith David, who is just a oh. fucking delight. I, I can't even tell awesome. you. It, it's oh my god! One of the total highlights of the year. Um, I I know from things I'd read about him that he was uh, very much a fan of Shakespeare. Uh, He's done a number of different uh, performances and a lot uh, that they've done uh, for uh, uh, broadcast on the internet. And I mentioned that he and I had both placed, uh, had rather both played Oberon, the King of the Fairies from Midsummer Night's Dream. (laughs) And he, he launches in to uh the monologue about having once this juice i'll and we start doing the fucking oberon monologue together
0: oh, holy that's cool. shit.
1: are you kidding me and then i yeah I, I god damn like i say what a treasure and then i i mentioned to him because uh i i brought along a dr facilier pop for him to autograph for a friend of mine who who gets me so many ridiculously cool uh, autographed things from Europe. And uh, we're both really fans of uh, Dr. Facilier from The Princess and the Frog. And I mention how he is one of my absolute favorite modern uh, Disney villains. And uh, I have trouble deciding which is actually my favorite song, either Friends on the Other Side from Princess and the Frog, or Be Prepared from Lion King. And he starts singing be prepared. So I start singing along with
0: him and I'm singing Be Prepared with Keith David.
1: It's just insane.
0: Just insane. I would love to hear uh, Keith
1: Davids rendition of be prepared. Oh my God. He's
0: got such a good voice.
1: I and I mean, he didn't warm up, he didn't prepare, he just launched into it right there. Bam. Nutty. Um uh as far as the rest of the show went, um a lot of great vendors. Did a lot of really cool holiday shopping. Um, got my myself uh, some compass earrings. Uh, these little tiny wooden uh, laser cut compass earrings to wear, uh, <laughs> and uh, all kinds of fun cool stuff. Um, Natalie's mom got me an autographed Brain Gremlin. Uh, autographed by Joe Dante. So that's kind of Aye. fucking cool. Looking, looking forward to acting surprised when I get that for Christmas. And, <laughs> um, oh, oh, there was a huge uh, Krampus run with, uh, geez, better than uh, almost two dozen uh, various Krampi. Is that the plural? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, walking around, <laughs> ringing their bells, uh, scaring uh, adults and uh, taking consensually. Consensually taking switches to, to naughty people and, and along the uh, the parade yeah. route, and yeah, I, I just I I gotta recommend if you're in town when uh, Season Screaming's is going on, it's it's not the huge thing that uh, Midsummer Scream is, and that's to the betterment on a couple things. Their version of the Hall of Shadows uh, is a smaller affair. But uh, the lines were nothing on Sunday. I, I, I ran through the mazes um, and, you know, found out some some companies that are going to be doing mazes uh, not that far from me, like in Westminster, that I'm totally I, – I already signed up for them on Facebook so I can keep up with them, and uh, when it's time, I'm definitely going. Um, Midsummer Scream this year was, uh, again, on my list. That's the one in Long Beach, much bigger. They had an amazing uh, sort of almost
0: museum
1: of Halloween stuff. Um, Everything from games and old costumes and just so good. I I think I posted the pictures uh, to Sexy Witches, but that was a blast. And then I got to meet Christine McConnell, who was just an absolute delight. She did a panel, Mm -hmm. and uh, I told her how much I had – Uh, enjoyed the panel from a couple years back that was just totally in depth on uh, the creations of Christine McConnell, which is still up on Netflix, but unfortunately nothing on doing a second season, but she's still going strong with her own YouTube channel and stuff. So uh, if you're a Christine McConnell fan, uh, you should definitely check out her new stuff. Uh, The Oogie Boogie Bash was definitely on my favorites this year. That was the event at uh, Disney's California Adventure, the park right across from Disneyland. And uh, it happens after the park closes, so it's just open uh, to the people who uh, pay for this ticketed event. But basically, uh, you're trick-or-treating in the park uh, where they're just throwing bags and bags of candy at you. (coughs) Pardon me, yes. and you're you're meeting uh, cost, costume characters, uh, cast members um, like uh, Moon Knight and Cruella Deville and Maleficent, and taking photos with him and and Bruno, and it, it was just a blast. Again, highly recommend. I bet uh, I bet the M-
2: the MCU version of Moon Knight. I bet that is such a fun costume character to play, like for the actors in
1: the part. Yeah, they really get into it.
3: So, uh, what else? I mean, those were the highlights. You talked about a lot of that on the show. Uh, Is there anything else you wanted to add to this?
1: Uh, Well, we already mentioned Finding Batman by Kevin Conroy, DC Prime. Um, There's another comic book I like to recommend. Uh, which I think we've mentioned because I went to a couple signings. Uh, Jordan Bloom and Patton Oswalt, who uh, did the limited series uh, Modoc for Hulu, they have a new book out. Uh, I think we're waiting on issue four now, uh, Minor Threat, and it's... Good band. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even think to mention that to them when I saw them. But uh, the comic book is a bunch of loser villains and uh, no one takes them seriously and until there's a couple murders going on and there's a lot that might remind you of Watchmen and it's definitely uh, along the lines of the deconstruction of uh, the tropes of comics but it's its own cat and it's really well done. So if you get the chance, Minor Threat Patton Oswald, Jordan Bloom. So
3: those sounds like Mm -hmm. fun so this has all been great let's go and wrap up we got about 10 more minutes before we change subjects so let's talk about television uh we talked about music Mm we talked about things so let's talk about television this year uh i would say that television had a a very odd year not everything was successful but there was a lot of balls out there i mean we did have stranger things 4 which everyone loved uh but yes. you know the geek, the geekdom world had a bunch of new paramount star trek things hit, including uh the lower decks as it was doing well again uh let's see yep. what else uh we had Dude, a new new star I show, wars i want to show,
2: hit. i want to show up there how good Andor, man.
1: Fucking the best. Just insanely good. good. I I can't believe it's 2022, and we're not talking movies when we talk Star Wars. We're talking TV. But I have three fucking series on my list that are Star Wars. Andor at the top, of course. Um, Just, I mean, I don't even know where to start with how good the performances are, but just thematically taking Star Wars to a place that we really haven't seen that much of, and they did it all without a single Skywalker and without a single fucking lightsaber, proving you can do that stuff. I hope it opens up to more on the opposite dude, that, end of the spectrum. That season sorry, finale, go. dude, that season finale was insane. <sighs> yeah. Uh, I, I I can't say enough good things about the series. I can't wait uh, to watch it with Natalie um, uh, I'd, I'd, say, I did, I'd
2: say the I'd say the season finale of Andor was the best single episode of any non-anthology series I saw this year.
1: I agree. I absolutely agree. It's actually at the top of my list over Sandman, and that's saying something. Um, I, I was going to say at the opposite end of the the Star Wars spectrum, we had Obi Wan Kenobi, which did lightsabers and. Skywalker but it did it very well and I didn't even mind the stuff they retconned to make previous lines fit and work and stuff I still enjoyed that whole ride and that's one that I will be watching again. Uh, The other Star Wars that made my uh, list was Tales of the Jedi which are just these little micro adventures but they're so well done and they're so beautiful Um, it'll take you Probably uh, less than an hour to to knock out all the episodes.
3: Oh, we burned uh, through it's them It's a bad. great ride. Um, yeah. I also want to add uh, Star Wars Visions to that, especially the first episode with the samurai swords. Uh, yeah, and, and that was the shit. I absolutely adored uh, the anime, uh, their anime anthology t- television uh, visions, and we had a crossover with Studio Ghibli, a three-minute yeah. short with Roku. And the and the, ash, so cute. and the ash creatures, yeah, and it's so cool. Like it's the little ash creatures from My Neighbor Totoro and Spirited Away, and and Grogu. I mean, it was it was cool. It was a little short, it's just cute little cool thing. So I thought that very, was really very very cool. cute. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, in there. In addition to Star still, Trek. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, in addition to Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, Strange New Worlds had an amazing season and, and that's, that's pretty high dead. on my list too yeah uh, i mean yeah, it, it's a shame that at this point that you're still having to get it exclusively through paramount plus um i did hear that the animated uh ostensibly for kids but actually pretty damn good for adults too um uh oh now i'm gonna blank on it but uh anyway that's gonna hit uh nickelodeon the uh animated one uh God
3: bless. I am going to blank on that one. <laughs> well, um, we but Disney. Uh, I would say I still don't have Paramount Plus, which is a problem. Uh, you know, so I yeah. also haven't seen uh, Jean Luc Picard's show. Or, and we uh, haven't seen
2: it. We haven't seen any of the new Beavis and Butthead either. Yeah, that's a oh. we
3: saw the movie, but we didn't see the uh-huh. TV show. Uh, and we really need to uh that's something I really like
1: to yeah, fans will be really happy uh, of of the series um yeah, you yeah. know um when everything 's done, pay for a month of it and then shut it off after you, you watch everything
2: will um, <laughs> be there 'll be a free two week trial at some point that 's uh, what I, i'm
1: saying as far as I, per- i'm sorry.
3: I was gonna say I wanna also shout out since we're talking about Star Wars that um and you mentioned Sandman being one of your favorite shows. How is it yeah. awesome finally people have now discovered how amazing Gwendolyn Christie is.
0: Hallelujah.
1: I'll drink to that. I I, I fucking love really? her. I mean I, I always have. Yeah. Um, wait, wait. my my friend that I mentioned, uh, who gets me uh fabulous autographs from Europe, um uh was waiting outside the door when their production of Midsummer Night's Dream was done, and had her, <coughs> pardon me, autograph something to me. Uh, she gave me the girl's spelling in my name, and I'm actually considering changing it.
0: <coughs>
1: just for <laughs>
3: her, just for her. That's awesome. Uh, it, uh, Nathan had seen him, her as Fantasma, uh and also as, as San, and Sandman, but she, he never really yeah. registered her. They, they as... don't. They
2: don't really emphasize her height. Insane. I figured that was just because the character was supposed to be towering, but uh, give you a little, (laughs) a little too much about me. Info about me. Um, I'm just a shade under. I always had a fantasy of a woman as tall as me or taller,
0: (laughs) which is rare.
2: I'd have to stalk WNBA games and shit like that. (laughs) But when I saw that, I'm like, she is just towering above everybody else in this. Show and look up and was like wait, wait six three and I may or may not have a slight crush now.
1: I saw her first, but yes, <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Star but, Trek but... Prodigy, that's the animated one. Um, oh, as far yes. as Picard goes, I, I'm looking forward to this next last season, but the previous one, not much to write home about. I'm. Sorry.
3: I'm sorry to hear I, I... that, but. um, but, you know, Disney, this, yeah. Disney's been rocking it, though, I will say. They're, they're, with yeah. the Star Wars and with the Marvel shows have been doing very well. Uh, yeah. We had really, you know, What If was this year. There was a lot of really good yeah. intelligence in general. Uh, we also had Cabinet of Curiosities <sighs> by Porro that came out. Cab, Cab,
2: the whole, Cabinet of Curiosities yeah. is my number one series of the year,
0: even oh, though into- –
2: even though the finale sucked.
0: The first
2: mm. seven episodes are so damn good that it didn't stick the landing and still sits at my number one. Wow. Yeah, it Fair was enough. really good. I the,
3: really loved it episode, too.
2: Episode seven, the viewing, is, I said earlier, the season finale of Andor was the best non-anthology episode of TV i Episode seven, the viewing, is the single best episode of any television series I saw this year.
3: Wow! Aaron, the guy who did the viewing, directed Mandy. Okay. I know well, you love
1: I, Mandy. Mandy is one of my absolute favorite cosmic horror of all yeah,
3: time. Yeah, you'd like it then a lot. The viewing is would be so up your alley. Oh yeah. So um, did I also, either of you
1: happen to catch? I'm sorry. I was going to ask, did either of you catch uh, uh, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power?
3: I have not. I watched three episodes. I need to go back. For some reason, I finished House of the Dragon. I didn't finish Uh Lord of the Rings. And I am not sure why. started it.
2: There was was just so much going on when that was going on that we we kind of felt. But we need to go back and catch up with it.
3: Yeah, I really do want to watch it again. I want to start it over and watch it again. Um, but I also wanted to give a shout-out to the new season of Love, Death, and Robots. Um, I thought yeah. they knocked them out of the park again. And Wait, was that this year? The, that was this year. Yes, yep. it was. That, seem, yeah. that
2: seems so – that's one of the problems with these <coughs> shows. Like, that seems like so long ago. I forgot it was still this year. <laughs> yeah, Love,
0: Death,
3: and Robots it, it was. It had some of the coolest imagery I've seen. It also had one of the funniest, like, 10 minutes ever, which was the little miniature Night of the Living Dead zombie apocalypse one. You know which one I'm talking about? Uh, you know, it yep. was so cute. Yeah, yeah. So cute. So funny. Oh, my God. I, I was rolling through that. Inside. You know, it, it was brilliant. Um, But uh, there was – I watched – let's see. I'm trying to think. There was so much going on on the television front. I was watching – Dracula is still running strong, and it and uh, drama, yeah. but the but the art's still there. The costuming is still cool. I Did really enjoy Chuck- it back. Chucky, oh my god, Chucky was great. Go ahead. I
1: can't believe that what we do in the shadows is as oh good or better than it was from the start.
2: It's so funny. Um, and that's, it's, that's a
1: show that seems to just be getting better and better. A
2: motherfucking on, vampire nightclub.
3: <laughs> that was Nathan doesn't like to watch shows all the time at, in in real time on the on. The, and mm-hmm. I made him watch it this summer in real time. I I, I it, prefer
2: to wait until and then binge it all at once. That's normally how I watch my TV. Yeah. yeah. I could that uh, was that was one that I, I'm like, yep, nope. I'm gonna have to watch this week by week, man, because it's
1: that good. I can't wait till the end. Yeah,
0: um, if so, you
1: like what we do in the shadows, you should check out uh, Los Spookies on HBO I Max.
0: I Los
3: Spookies. I'm they so They are canceling. Oh.
1: It, it's such a fun, quirky, weird. I the way I'm I thinking like it of
3: it. than Parent Wellington Paranormal, honestly.
1: Right on. Yeah, Wellington yeah. is hit and miss. It's still yeah. charming, but uh Losa Spookies kinda reminds <clears throat> me a little bit of the Mighty Boosh, if y'all have ever seen that huh, before. Okay. It, it it's almost like a yeah. the Mighty Boosh or a a horror kind of mighty Boosh. I don't know. It's it's fun and weird and I'm You're sorry that that's not getting another there. season. Yeah. All
2: right. I, I, may, I may have to check that out.
0: I, I Although I the, want... ne-
2: the next se- – I have, I have said I am not watching any more series until the end of the year because I want to catch up with the movies I missed this year. But hmm. the first series I plan on picking up next year, Bad Batch.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. Can't wait for the new season. Um, did you all see uh, Moon Knight, She-Hulk, and Ms. Marvel? Of course. Yes. Absolutely.
3: <laughs> and Loki. Loki it, this Did any too? of those
1: make your Oh yeah. So was Loki. That was Loki. God, that was this year too, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I totally forgot, but you're right.
3: So, oh my god. Did so did
1: I, any of those make your list? Your your 10 best?
3: Um, I don't my know if they ten? made
2: my 10. <coughs> um, <laughs> of those, I think Probably Moon Knight was my favorite of those four. She Hulk seemed fun but inconsequential as far as the canon of the MCU. Yeah. Although no, I, yeah, it was, although it, was it was, off, it was, it was awesome seeing Daredevil again. Yes. And and then and then the yellow and red get up too that was a that yep. was a nice little nod yeah you know, i dug that and fighting in a hallway imagine that
1: <laughs>
3: but I, I but no like I guess this first i would say for those three marvel was probably my favorite miss marvel big surprise there uh i like how it transported you to another place and it represented jersey
0: yeah.
3: um there was just a lot about it that i thought was really cool uh even if it's we'll see... a superpower
1: yeah and, and I think we will see uh, Ms. Marvel probably be the most consequential in the MCU going forward. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. Although I, because you know Moon Knight, uh, I was there at the very first issue and and just fucking loved that book. That that's you know a personal favorite. But She Hulk was so well done, and I just fucking love that they you know pushed back and. Tweak the noses of incels in real time using their own shitty little uh, reviews of the show in their
0: show. That was genius. Love that yeah.
1: shit.
2: Ooh, I, I need to bring up something as far as Marvel goes. You said you, you, yeah. said you were there from the first ep, uh, yeah, yeah. issue first of issue. Moon Knight, but do you remember what comic Moon Knight made his first appearance in? Oh, I can see the cover and also, oh, oh. the best thing Marvel did this year. Moon Knight made his, opi- oh, his yeah, first appearance yeah. in an FSU of Werewolf by Night. Werewolf yeah, by that's night. definitely Let's my just... top ten best. Oh, yeah. we can't...
3: Let's go I out. Can't re- we... I,
2: I don't Let's have it on my movie list because it didn't quite hit the time limit to be a feature movie. But holy shit, was that
1: special good. Yeah, it was.
0: That, it, and I I, I was so it, lucky yeah. I got to I and got I to see it on the big
1: screen at the studio, and it was so oh, good on the fucking big screen. I, I can't, can't even, even tell, tell you. Man. Oh.
3: Ugh. Remember how like, we I were re- talking about it a couple of weeks ago? We were like, I said, th- we all agreed it was our most anticipated thing this fall, and here we are I talking about it. Not and it was. It delivered. It absolutely and, delivered. So.
2: And the special, show uh, the special uh, director by night on the Disney Channel is also outstanding. Like it's a great, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, a great companion piece. So if you haven't watched that, like, what the hell are you doing? Go watch both of them. <laughs> and, also, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I,
3: and like a recent thing, the 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 specials they're doing are really cool. I hope they do more one-offs like this. Uh, the the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special was surprisingly good. Like it yeah. actually was very very good. I don't really surprisingly
1: is the right word.
3: Uh huh. Yeah, um,
1: I, I can't believe how how much I love the fricking. Uh, it, it's Christmas again. I don't I don't know what Christmas is, but it's Christmas Dude. time again. That song, the old night,
2: the old ninety seven, are 97- a
1: great yeah. band. I, I and that they, song I, I, is like, now on my Christmas list. Freaking love it. Mm-hmm. Yep,
2: I love I love that song. I love that band. I loved that special. <laughs> I, that was hilarious. It was, it was way better. Like you really said, done. way better than I expected it to be. Yeah. yeah.
3: So that was cool, and the music's good, uh, as you said. So. Um, yeah, that whole so, soundtrack. So I would say that 2022 is kind of going out on a high note here. Cause, can can uh, I say one? Can I say one
2: thing? Speaking of yes. speaking of Christmas music, um, I want to say this before everyone checks out when we start talking about wrestling. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah. No. Actually, <laughs> I was going to. We probably should bring it yeah. up now. It's the place for it.
2: Um, for I have a tradition every every Ghoul side. There, I make a special mix of the best, weirdest, um most offensive, craziest, <clears throat> strangest Christmas music I can find. And this is the seventeenth volume. I've been doing this for seventeen years. So, everybody, like I said. So you can get my list of the 75 great albums this year. Also, friend me on Facebook, and I will put up a post at some point, uh, it might be this coming Monday, where you can get Nathan's (laughs) Triple Xmas Mix, Volume 17. So please, everybody, come and join in my jolliness and giddy-up jingle (laughs) horse.
3: And we may or may not have a preview of at least one song from the mix. If you want to stay on at the end of the show. So uh, we'll see, you know, I, I've been listening to it. So, and I can say it is actually really fun. And he did an excellent job there. So that's awesome. Um, Yeah. So, and if you can't find Nathan, find me. I'm easy to find Elizabeth Katzengay and I will point you in the right direction. Uh, Aaron, too, could also point you in the right direction. So be yes. one of our yes. friends or not. Be all of our friends because we are friendly people and we love to chat about movies. And also, Whamageddon uh, is Whamageddon right now. Yeah. I am still not yeah. Wham. Wow. Are you, I think we're I, all I, still I, yeah, in it, right?
1: I'm hanging in there. Every oh, time man. I go into a store, though, you know, I'm white knuckling it. I, I went oh, to pick up sushi the other in? night for Natalie and, oh,
3: okay. I mean, oh, you've been, we have been to uh, uh, Walmart and, and some grocery stores, and we went to a diner, but they weren't playing Christmas music. Uh, oh, you know, this, so... this,
2: this afternoon, I stood in the very gas station where I got whammed last year. And Holy did not shit. get whammed so I I looked nice. Wham right in the face and uh, came <laughs> out okay. So here's hoping that sticks so that luck sticks around for the rest of the season. Okay,
1: you're the guy uh, to ask this. Is there a decent cover that I can add to my uh, list? I, not that I mind the original at all, but you know, uh, until this is all over I won't be listening to the
0: uh the wham
1: out, version. Check out Richard Cheese's version, trust me. Well,
0: of, oh, course.
3: of course. Anything risk uh, Fuck
1: yeah. There's and for also, people at a...
3: we should tell them that Last Christmas is the Wham! song, that you can't listen to, you have to try to not hear it for the entire Christmas season through the 23rd. So... There's also a, ba-
2: a band called Bro Job. That, Bro Job? Bro Job. <laughs> hilarious. That put, out a, that put out a Christmas EP this year that has covers of All I Want for Christmas is You. And it's like total, like, just straight metalcore type stuff. But mm. they do a cover of Last Christmas that's that's pretty damn good. I'll, I'll give it. Though, All right. that, that is a pretty damn good cover.
3: Well, wow. you didn't tell me about that.
2: Well, I just they just released that one yesterday, actually.
3: Oh, really? So, I okay. think I yeah. can
2: remember Bro Job.
3: Bro job. Bro job. Like bro. Like dude. Okay. Well,
1: I will bow out and let you guys wrestle talk. But before I go, one other show, (laughs) Reservation Dogs. Again. Oh,
0: yeah. The show
1: just keeps getting better and better. I mean, it started out great. It gets better. The funny stuff is funnier than ever. The sadder stuff will rip your fucking heart out and stomp on it on the ground.
3: I I need to finish that show. I'm a a season behind, Uh, but it's, it's the, one of the only non like genre shows I watch. Yeah. So yeah, no, absolutely.
2: I'm I'm running short on heart stomping. So yeah, I may need to check that out.
1: (laughs) That's the one for you.
3: (laughs) All right. My good sir, Aaron, thank you for a great season and of, of, Sexy Witches again. I can't do this show without you. And I really, I I miss you. I want to see you in person in the next year or so. We have not met each other in a while. I need to meet
2: you in person as
1: well. I'm really sorry that I didn't get the two of you out here for Comic-Con 2023. Let's do Comic-Con 2024, yo
3: maybe it, we'll have to see we'll have to see where our situation is in the long, uh a year or so but that uh, we Things definitely want to come. I want to take him to Disneyland so he he's never been to actually the Anaheim Disneyland and I know we always go to Disneyland the, that's cuz I always take other people to go to Disneyland but uh the, far, the farthest
2: the farthest best the farthest uh-huh. west I've ever been is New Mexico so oh and,
3: and yeah. he needs and he needs—it's not a want—he needs to see the original Haunted Mansion. Like he has to see the original. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. As, and, a, as and a dark pirates, ride enthusiast,
2: a, I need that in my life.
3: And, and I'm telling him that the, uh, he does—he doesn't understand that the Pirates of the Caribbean in Disneyland is a, longer, twice as long as the so one. So much better, in, and so much better. Oh my God! So as a man who
1: has been to uh, Disney Paris. And uh, Disney World, I can tell you, our our mansion and our pirates are the superior version. Yes, I am down are. for all of this. Don't
3: so threaten me all the time. And, but, but we also have to take them and do other things. But that but that actually has to happen again. I uh, but you know every couple of years, what I come out and I ride, I go to Disneyland. You and you'll go to, you'll go to Disneyland at a drop of a hat. So I'm not worried about that. You
2: know it. No.
3: So. <laughs> so, a drop of know, a
2: Mickey ear hat.
3: Oh, yeah. It, oh, before you go, my favorite thing, yes. Disney, all right? It was an accident meme this year, and it was their platinum anniversary, and it was <laughs> a set of ear, uh, Mickey and Minnie ears with the platinum <laughs> working <laughs> on the top, and it was the advertisement got went viral because it, it was like, uh, what was it, Minnie is getting wet with excitement, or dripping with <laughs> no baby with me is dripping with excitement for the platinum anniversary, oh and uh, that didn't go well. Uh, <laughs> I don't
0: get it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: they actually pulled. When
1: you're the, older.
3: Yeah they they, they 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 pulled the entire they even pulled the ears they recalled the entire thing yes and then they then when two mice love each
2: other very much. <laughs>
3: give each TV other a thing, special hat. Without without the advertising, they are selling quietly selling the rest of that stock because apparently they went all in on these ears and they need to sell them off. So you can still get your platinum <laughs> dripping ears. So get, well, that's it. Go, I'm going to go, Company D. Look. Go get some for us. We need we need. I saw them in lives. person
1: at the D23 Expo, and I said, "You've got to be kidding me." <laughs> Platinum air quotes. I, 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 yeah. No, no. The polite thing would be, oh, it looks like someone sneezed on it. Yeah, sneeze. That's what it looks like. Sure.
0: <laughs>
1: How are you sneezing exactly?
0: <laughs>
1: Who are you sneezing next to? Ron Jeremy? Oh. <laughs> So anyway, All right. I have a good rest out. of the show, you two. Love yeah. you.
0: <laughs> you on that
1: note, I think on that note, yeah, that's that's where I'm leaving.
0: <laughs>
1: you, you you come back from that. You fix
3: that. <laughs> I love you, man. Good luck. Well, uh, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you next year.
0: Okay. I'm, Bye, you uh, right. Good night. Uh, uh, (laughs) all
3: right we're gonna take a quick bathroom break and then we'll come right back um don't go anywhere oh or you know if you do want to go anywhere somewhere that is fine because you can listen to us anytime and download but please we we know we don't usually go a third hour but tonight we're going to go and talk about wrestling because we got there's so much to talk about wrestling wise but we're going to take a quick break we'll be back as soon as we can be and uh we will we might not even use the whole hour we'll have to see but of course once Nathan goes I can just like you know a little bit of Q a whole lot of A and just let him go and it'll be brilliant so anyway we'll come right back the music go. How oh, can you hear me? Yes, yeah. Oh, excellent. Um, I was saying that, why are we listening to such a cheesy song, but I thought it was actually, first of all, I agree with the Bucks, I kind of have a soft spot for this Guitar Hero type song, but uh, <laughs> at the same time, uh, this was the year of the comeback, I think, for wrestling, at, for individuals where AEW brought us back two years ago and now the honeymoon period's over for them individual people had comebacks that were successful and one that ended up falling flat surprisingly uh this H- year so, Head Haltress, yes
2: i want to ask i want to ask you one question
3: okay how many
2: times to- how many times this year were we either discussing wrestling or watching wrestling and I just looked at you and said, what is wrestling in 2022?
3: I uh, Many times, including many today. Many times, because
2: this has been the most bizarre, like, no holds barred, all the previous rules don't matter, anything can happen here that has ever happened in the history of professional wrestling.
3: It's it's definitely a a psychedelic world out there uh, when it comes to wrestling, Uh, and we also had some big things happen. Vince McMahon finally stepped down in WWE, and Triple H is now the head of creative there and owns the company. That is big news. Probably the year
2: that is easily the biggest story of the year. None of us like we all talked in hypotheticals about when Vince McMahon was finally gone and left it to Triple H. CM Punk in his pipe bomb 10 years ago that changed the wrestling business specifically talked about when Vince McMahon retired and left it to Triple H. Like, we, none of us ever thought that would happen. And I remember the morning I saw Vince McMahon steps down as CEO of WWE. I thought it was an angle. I thought it was a storyline. I never thought it would actually happen. And it, fucking mind
3: it happened it, it, you know this day was gonna come it was just that the way it was kind of a, a spectacularly flash and burnout right at the end so i mean with the whole scandal thing preceding it uh you know it, it, it got crazy there for a moment and then all of a sudden we have triple h and oh uh, and this whole uh, the whole wrestling year started with the huge purging of the wwe roster like they just fired everybody at the end of the end of last year, beginning of this year, and uh, so all these people became free agents. Uh, Tony Khan went, took the crazy ball and ran with it and just packed the fuck okay. out of
2: AEW. We, we uh, ta- spe- speaking of people who signed to AEW, you, I want to read you that list of the people who signed with AEW this year. Okay. Because
3: of the pur- a lot of it was because of the purge, too.
2: It's fucking insane. People who signed with A.E.W. this year, the people who signed with AEW this year, you could almost make an entire weekly wrestling show of. They have Brody King, Dan Calvin, Keith Pony Matthews, Brickland, Paige Van Zant, uh um, Jeff Hardy, um, <laughs> William Regal, Tony Storm, Wheeler Yuta, Samoa Joe, Stokely Hathaway, Athena, Roosh, Claudio Castagnoli, Madison Rain, Soraya, Renee, Josh Woods, Will Nightingale, Jeff Jarrett, Bandito, and Juice Robinson. That is an insane list of people who signed just this year.
3: And and not on that list because it might be a little early because they just announced it is uh, Konoshka Takeshka. He just got signed by W. that
2: I said uh, to you actually yesterday that I had a rookie of the year for this year. Yeah, Takeshka is my rookie of the year.
3: You know, like, he, is he mine was too, the, actually
2: the breakout star of this year. He like that is how you use your excursion. Like he came over here and made himself a straight up star. I
3: I I loved watching that kid, and he is a kid, Uh, you know. But it was he was great. He's twenty three, and he's coming back. He got signed by AEW. He's going to be, and he's so cute and humble about it. And I hope he's a big star here, and it makes me so happy to see how he was my rookie of the year too. Absolutely. Uh so that was great. Um, uh this whole year has been kind of crazy. I mean we, like I said we had, you, you you mentioned uh Dan Uh I would say the second largest story probably of the year was that uh, when ROH disbanded in 2021 uh 2 or no 1, sorry, 2021, um in this year uh Tony Khan bought the ROH brand from Okay. Uh, the so- the
2: Here's here's how crazy 2022 was. The owner of the second largest wrestling promotion and the number one hottest wrestling promotion in America bought the number three wrestling
0: promotion in
2: America, and it wasn't the biggest story of the year. That's yeah. how crazy this year was.
3: Oh, and granted, they haven't really done a lot with it, but they're developing the brand, and they oh, brought they on a whole bunch of people to like pad that. That roster is going to be great, and then if we get more Briscoes, the better.
2: They've done plenty with it. Like it's, It should be its own show, but what they've done for now, that it's, they've done plenty with it. Um, let me just run down a few of the news stories here, and then we'll go to some matches and some things like that. Like, Perfect. We got, we got McMahon retiring. We got Tony buying ROH. Uh, what about The Undertaker? Finally going into the Hall of Fame and finally kind of putting a cap on his career on one of the most legendary careers in wrestling history. Okay, and on yeah. the other hand, on the other, hand, we had Ric Flair's quote unquote last match where he passed out mid match. And Undertaker and Ric Flair are kind of the story of how to step away with dignity and otherwise.
3: Yeah. Oh, and and but also to run up the air. Ricky Steamboat also had his last match of the air. And he looked great. And he did really well. So you you can be that old and still do amazing things.
2: Talk about older wrestlers coming back for one more match. Stone Cold Steve Austin headlined the first night of WrestleMania. I didn't have that on my bingo
3: card either. No, a lot of people didn't. Um, So let's go ahead what well, what do you want to talk about next individual matches or or actually we shows have,
2: well let, let me get a couple more of these big stories out there. We had okay. the first major aew to wWE jump with Cody Rhodes
3: that's right and then he got that's... promptly injured and is... oh my
2: god and that match with Seth Rollins that's that's one on my list now. It, I, everyone is who's a wrestling fan seeing the pictures of just that entire like half of his of Cody's body discolored. It's disgusting. Oh,
3: it, it, I, I, oh my god! You know, as much as I were like fucking Cody on this show, nobody deserves that. Ouch! I mean,
2: ugh, no, it um, looks terrible. We, we, we got Roman Reigns. Okay, everyone hated him <laughs> a couple of years back, but as a heel, he's been great, and he has been on a over eight. Day title run that hasn't happened since Hulk Hogan and before that it hadn't happened since Bruno Sammartino. That's big. You
3: know, you know a year ago we weren't talking of WWE at all. There had to have been some improvement because we've been talking. To- we actually are talking about WWE this year on this show.
2: Absolutely. Um, there are two uh, unfortunate deaths I want to mention. Um, a lot. A lot of great wrestling talent, unfortunately passed this year, uh, Matilda the Hun, one of the more notable. But one of the notable is Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, the bad hey, guy. Razor
3: Ramon, rest in peace. He
2: died this year. And Antonio Inoki, the founder of New Japan, the man who... Flew himself to Iraq on his own dime and negotiated for the return of Japanese hostages from Saddam Hussein. Like the insane life story of Antonio Inoki. Like he died this year. So much respect to In- Inoki's son. And I also want to mention someone who beat, who beat cancer. And fuck cancer. And I was there for his triumphant return, and it made me so happy and so proud. The motherfucking Necro Butcher.
3: Yeah, Necro Butcher on the indie circuit is a legend, and even Moxley has said that Necro Butcher was the hardest wrestler he's ever faced. That that um, dude is
2: on has to be on anyone's deathmatch Mount Rushmore.
3: Uh, so, you know, go look up his older stuff. He's crazy. Uh, and he was there for all of the major events, including when uh, Nick Gage almost died. He was there. Uh, so uh, he, he he's kind of, and you got to, uh, you got to announce his first return match.
2: His first return match was at TPW, Total Psychopathic Wrestling. And that was a show in, Blue Ridge, I believe it was. Yes, that was a Blue Ridge show in Tennessee. And <laughs> the Necro Butcher comes out smashing himself in the head with a chair and just bleeding all over the place. And he gets in the ring and just brains the, rest, the referee with the chair beside me. And he crumples to the ground. And I don't know what the hell's going on. And I look back at Necro. And him with a face full of blood wielding a looks at me and points out of the ring and says, out. And I have not feared for my life that much since I was in an elevator with the knife-wielding Gary Busey.
0: <laughs> and I
2: immediately got, I'm, yes, sir, I got the hell out of the ring and announced the rest of it from outside on the floor. because that... For those of you who don't know, Necro movie, he is the man who has the hardcore death match with Mickey Rourke's character, where they're stapling things to each other. And he does that kind real life that character is based on his actual wrestling style and his real name is Dylan and he is the best dude we we hung out at the hotel that night and drank all night and just chilled out and he is he is the coolest motherfucker ever but when he steps through those ropes Dylan is gone and the necro butcher is terrifying <laughs>
3: but he's also very nurturing because he's actually mentoring a friend of ours Yes, the the, yes, uh, true. the hard,
2: hardcore hillbilly the,
3: the hardcore hillbilly and i would say that's one of my favorite things is that hillbilly has been able to go tour uh with necro butcher and that makes me like i feel like a, once again a proud den mother
2: right i i he i consider him like kind of one of my business nephews 'Cause he he's ridden to me with a bunch of to a bunch of shows. But that brings me to my death of the year, actually. And that was an XPW because Hillbilly and Necro attacked the winner of this match after the main event. But it was a two hundred light tube death match
3: <laughs> between Shit.
2: Schlack and Drake Younger. Oh God. And at least in America, I can't judge completely because there are still some Japanese deathmatch shows I haven't seen from this year. But as far as America, that was my deathmatch of the year. That match was fucking ridiculous.
3: I don't know if I have a single favorite match of the year, but I do have a favorite uh, wrestler that was just my deathmatch fa- of the year. That was
2: my favorite match of the year. That was just my favorite match of the year.
3: Yeah, no, I wanted to follow up on that because I, I don't ah. have a single favorite deathmatch of the year. Uh, okay. But I do have a single favorite deathmatch wrestler of the year. and okay. that is That was Casey Kirk's title run in ICW. Nice. Uh,
0: nice. I really,
3: really, it made, fuck uh, the Kirk. It, the fuck the Kirk's but Casey had an amazing year. Uh, she only lost two matches I think in the entire year, including the final title match. I believe that's the one she lost. I... Um, Honestly, she's had an year, amazing year, and I love her. I already loved her even as a as a heel, but I, I'm so glad other people saw it too.
2: This year has been a good year for female deathmatch wrestlers because intergender wrestling is becoming more and more of a thing, and so now they're kind of getting to mix it up with the dudes in major deathmatch tournaments. So wrestlers like Sage Sin. And wrestlers like Ludark Shaitan and Lilith Grimm and Randy West and Mickey Knuckles and like all these really it's, badass chicks are getting to get in there and oh, really yeah. show what they Sadika, absolutely! Like Allie Cat, had a great year.
3: Yeah. Uh, like, the,
2: honestly, one of the stories of the year, whole like death, regular wrestling, deathmatch wrestling, whatever, has been women's wrestling this year. Like, there have been multiple – we'll take WWE, for example, because I I make no bones about it. I have not followed WWE closely in many years, but I will watch recaps of their pay-per-views or whatever and go back and watch single matches that sound like they would appeal to me. And far more often this year, I've gone back and watched women's matches more than I've watched the dudes' matches.
3: And Bianca Belair was a joy to watch on a, on WWE. I just wanted it was like she was one of the few female wrestlers, and it's too bad about Sasha Banks because I thought she was rocking it up to that there, point. So uh, you know that there, was another there, there, that was actually maybe the third biggest story with Sasha Banks being fired.
2: As far as as far as WWE and the women, Bianca Belair has been killing it. Really. Has become like she is amazing, and she, uh her her whole hashtag goth mommy thing has really gotten over. And Bailey coming back with Io Shirai and excuse me Io Sky now and uh, God I cannot remember the the damage control their faction has been running roughshod. So honestly, the women's division is killing it over there. But the women's division in AEW, which was a major like weak spot when AEW began, has really grown leaps and bounds this year.
3: Uh, and we got Jamie Hader winning the belt, which is a highlight of our year. Um, if, you know. To Jamie but, Hader. To Jamie Hader. I mean, great. Like we've mm. been fans of hers for two years straight now, and uh, gonna I, hate. And it. it the moment she walked, I told you, the first time I saw her walk down the ramp, and she's in the big fur coat, and, and she walks out with Britt and Reba, and everyone starts booing. She's like, what? <laughs> you know, just the, the look of incredulousness on her face. Like, she wasn't even yelling back. She just, like, had con- condemnation for the entire crowd for being such idiots. And, t- and then she I'll comes out this. and is a badass motherfucker in the ring.
2: This is one of the the biggest compliments I can give any wrestler, actually. Because she came out full on heel. Crowd is booing her. She's drinking it all in, just loving it, saying, fuck all you guys. And then she doesn't change a thing about her character, her in-ring style, anything. She still wrestles like a heel, and the crowd slowly turns around and starts cheering her. And the crowd eventually gets so loud that Tony has to, you know, Tony Khan, the booker, like, okay, cool. The crowd's so behind her. We got to give her the title. And when she won the title, that was one of the biggest pops I heard all year. And she still has not changed a thing. Still wrestles like a heel, still acts like a heel. You know who that completely mirrors the rise of? Stone Cold Steve Austin.
0: Oh wow. Well. That
2: completely mirrors exactly how he got over. And he's one of the biggest stars the industry has ever created and I can't give any anyone a bigger compliment than that you pulled off what Steve Austin did.
3: And and she's a curvy girl. She's a thick girl. She's not yes, she is. you know, she is, <laughs> I know you like that. Lot, but I mean, she's not conventionally beautiful yet she's amazing looking like like she just is perfect is you know everything about her even when she's dripping sweat and the hair is all messed. like like tony storm wrestles and her hair doesn't move like jamie <laughs> hater's hair is all to the left to the right she's her makeup is running uh she just looks amazing when she's wrestling
0: and and
3: and, and she can bring the good i'm attitude, not going to so.
4: comment on that at all
3: no, I, well, yeah. But anyway, we love Jamie Hader on so many levels. She's amazing, and we're really glad that she has the belt. We're really glad that Death Triangle has the belt. Um, what else do we, do? do we want to talk so about?
2: Here's, here's how good 2022 has been in wrestling. We are ending the year in the middle of a feud between the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega versus the Death Triangle best of seven.
3: Yeah. Holy that, well, shit. Well, let's talk like, about Really? Remit, uh, the year of the comeback, because he yeah, had Dan Helsing get introduced to AEW. Will Os- Ospreay, which we're going to talk about in a minute here, um, coming back and doing a tour of America, and he did, like, 14 promotions in, like, like a month. Like, ridiculous amount of work. Like, the guy can. Uh, we had, you know, uh, Omega came back. You know, a lot of people. Even Dante Martin's brother finally came back. We had the Hardy brothers for a hot minute.
2: For a second.
3: Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> and then,
2: Kenny Omega. When he first came back, he. I wasn't sure. In these last few matches, was Kenny Omega that had those six star matches. Um.
3: And you know, on the completely opposite end of marathons, we also had the biggest burnout I think I've ever seen. That's not really- Well, it is related to injuries, but it really was de- the injuries were just the icing on the cake. And that is the media scrum with CM Punk, where he oh, lost the, 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 the he lost the belt not once this year, but twice. Right after uh, the all-out really um, he is a two –
0: two.
2: AEW World Champ with a combined reign of three days. I
3: mean, it, it was one of the, you know, like a year ago, you and I were actually watching the introduction of CM Punk together, and it was like a major moment. You felt like it was, it the wanted. audience it was in history. awe. It was, everything about it was big. And, and, and then, like, just to have that fizzle out like that is very disappointing.
2: And it's, it's a very interesting thing because when WWE CM Punk, everyone was totally Team CM Punk. And WWE's like that dude was impossible to deal with. And everyone was like, "Oh, fuck you. He's he's an artist. You don't just don't understand what to do with him." And then he pulls some shit like that, from completely us saying what he said was wrong. I'm saying he handled that in a completely unprofessional way, and now people are kind of going back and questioning, like, was WWE really in the wrong, or is CM Punk just really an asshole? <laughs> and because
3: because of his unprofessionalism, a dog got hurt, Omega got bit, there was a fight, people got suspended, <laughs> people got re-injured. People uh, got
0: bit,
2: and not by yeah. the dog.
3: no. I mean,
2: but, it, it, but, yeah. but, CM Punk did give us one of the matches of the year. And I think we need to go move on to our from the negativity to some to of positive. our matches of the year, yes. and CM Punk did give us one of those, and that was that dog collar match with MJF.
3: Oh yeah, I totally forgot about that.
2: That was an outstanding
3: match. Their their whole build up to that was pretty great. Like like I know we're going back a year, a little bit a year, but like the 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 the, the, the promotions between and chemistry between uh, CM Punk and MJF was was great. Uh, okay. Like it was it was so much fun to watch the build up to that match.
2: I remember telling you going into that match, watching MJF and CM Punk. Not not near the end, but there was one on I don't remember the date of Dynamite where they had a back and forth in the ring on the mic that was just incredible. And I said something unbelievable is gonna have to happen for that to knock it off my list of the best promo of the year.
3: Uh, I know what it was. Low, I knocked it off.
2: Lo and behold, something did.
3: I'm gonna guess right it now. It involved
2: MJ it involved MJF. It didn't involve CM F- Punk though. It involved William Regal.
3: I was about to guess, and I was going to guess correctly. I was going to say, I bet you you're about to say the MJF William Regal promotion. That
2: that was the best promo of the year, was MJF and William Regal, a solid 20 minutes in the ring with no action, just talking. And the crowd, both in the arena and at home, were hanging on every word. Yeah, I know.
3: William it Regal was, was as a promotions of, was one of the highlights of this year
2: period. It was it was one of the best time on the mic versus the best right now on the mic and it was fucking amazing.
3: And and the commentaries that um we were getting from William Regal as when back club comic club was on was pretty fantastic. Uh, oh, yeah. so yeah, he's really good. I I would love to just see a podcast between him and Excalibur. That would be like, awesome. Uh, you know, nobody else, just them too, you know, Maybe, Listen,
2: flirt with Excalibur on commentary. It was One of the best things about wrestling this year.
3: Oh my God. So funny. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I would, I agree with you on that. Uh, matches. Let's talk about some matches. Uh, um, let's talk about some matches. Let's talk about some matches. Um, uh, First of all, uh, we both agreed, and we don't we don't have to go into it too much, that our favorite pr- pay per view promotion this year was Full Gear again, was two years running, and sound the best one in the uh, even WrestleMania was actually fantastic this year. I can't say it wasn't. Okay, that, it was actually a solid WrestleMania this year, um, and uh, I really you know, no, but I would say this year was, was my excellent. favorite. So
2: okay. Full Gear was my favorite. Overall, it was the best single show of the year. Just top to bottom, there wasn't a dud on the card. My number two would be Forbidden Door. Because Forbidden Door was, ama- like, something we never thought would happen and was absolutely amazing. And my number three would be The World on GCW. Was GCW ran the Hammerstein Ballroom on that was headlined oh, yeah. by uh, Gage versus Briscoe's for the tag title. We're on that same card. we had Moxley versus Homicide for the title. We had Jeff Jarrett and Effie, which I'm not a Jeff Jarrett fan, but his thing with Effie was great. We had Blake Christian and Leo Rush, which is a dream match on anybody's card. We had Ruby Soho and Alley Catch. Like, that I was amazing.
3: So, I watched yeah, that. Yep, good.
2: that one takes my number three as far as
3: pay per view of the year. I I I I'm not surprised to say that. Yeah, because that was that was a like a dream card. Even the fi- even the scramble like the ladder match scramble at the beginning was totally fine.
2: Oh god! Uh, yeah. match, what was it? It was it was Grim Reefer and Shane Mercer and Ninja Mac and Alex yeah. Zane and it
3: was like all mix of weird people and, and, and yeah. You know, uh, um, that that was really fun. Uh, I also like like I said, I liked watching uh, uh, the ICW.
2: Then we had the we had the match. I'm mean, gonna have Jordan Oliver and Tony Deppin and Dallas Cologne oh, right, and Tony AJ Graham, PCO, and like crazy. Um, it, it was a crazy car.
3: I, I honorable mention getting to see Tony Deppin in our Ring of Honor, ICW, and in AEW last year. Uh hell yeah. Uh working his ass off. So we love him. Uh so Tony Deppin right on. Uh and okay, had really so solid th- matches all year. So
2: those are our pay per views, which by the way, for those of you who don't know, and I didn't know this till earlier this year. AEW are shown in movie theaters. If you go to the um help me out here. As AMC. Uh, AMCs, yes. And you look it up, and you can. <laughs> I have never watched a wrestling baby movie. But that was a lot of fun. It was a, great it wasn't a lot of fun. Oh, and I also so saw
3: I, Tony... I
2: recommend all of you go do that. I,
3: I, I'm sorry, I digress. Uh, I also saw Tony Depp in GCW this year. Uh, we saw him live. Yep. So we saw yes, him live. I saw him live three times.
2: Historic. At the historic Center Stage Theatre in Atlanta, Georgia, where they used to stay WCW Saturday night
3: yeah, so uh so some of those were uh, so I was saying some of those were my favorite matches of the year, like the one with Johnny Deppen and John Silver, just because I got to see two of my favorite wrestlers wrestle live together uh so that was in Baltimore, and uh, I'm trying to think of other hey, matches i um, uh, i've
2: got a I've got a few matches this year ah, that deserve do. special consideration. All Out, the ma- the event that we talked about where CM Punk ran his mouth at the end, or whatever, the best match on that card was Swerve of memory, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland versus The Acclaimed.
3: Oh yeah, now, they that had was really great, good.
2: They had a great trilogy of matches, but
3: that one
2: was just something special.
3: Uh, that that was one was amazing. just a little bit more. Um, May I talk about Will Ospreay? For a moment,
2: you go right ahead, Um, and then and then I'll join in on the Osprey like praise because that dude was amazing this year. Um,
3: my favorite wrestler this two my two favorite wrestlers this year were Osprey and Orange Cassidy. I actually dressed as Orange Cassidy, as you know, for all the way, and that's how much I loved him. And I reposed as his Twitter. If you if you look at his Twitter picture and you look at me, you'll, we look identical. It's amazing. Uh, so, uh, well, as, with anyway, well, I like, close enough. Anyway, for Halloween, uh, but uh, Will Ospreay, a dream of mine was to see Willie Osprey because Will Osprey got injured, like super injured and without, as you know, but other people may not. Know. I can't imagine bad. why. The the neck injury was – we didn't think we were going to get him back. Not only did we get him back, he came back in a huge way. In Japan, he's huge right now, and he also – was in Forbidden Door, and he wrestled on AEW, the show itself. Uh, So did uh, the uh, great O'Conn and Jeff Cobb, too, uh, which was actually amazing to see on AEW. Uh, There was a lot of the Forbidden Door, once again, got smashed open the year before, Uh, and here we go. Talk about
2: about that Forbidden Door match for a minute, between Osprey and Orange. I mean, my
3: favorite, one of my second favorite match of the year was Will Asprey and uh, Orange Cassidy um, wrestling. That is my that is at, my, at that my number,
2: that's my number three match of the year. So it's for you and three for me. So obviously yeah. it was amazing.
3: Uh, absolutely like one of the best matches I have ever seen. Uh, and uh, it was so much fun and so brilliant and it was everything you wanted it to be, and you would think that their styles would clash. They did not; they complemented each other. Um, everyone underestimates Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy, yes, he does play a lot of things for laughs, but the man is a fucking athlete. I just watched him in the Royal Rumble, and he was doing some serious core work. Even right now, uh, you know, tonight, you know, he he is an amazing wrestler. People under, but Will Ospreay is as good as he's ever been, if not. Better than when he Before he was injured he's come back with A vengeance and every match I've seen him in has been brilliant uh, And we can't Ignore his run at the G1 um, It was Okay
2: can I mention oh a God. couple of matches A couple yeah. of matches Okay yes, like Osprey and Okada Had two matches this year One at Wrestle Kingdom and one in the G1 Both of them our, during that G1 that you mentioned, we saw Osprey against Shingo Takagi, and we saw Osprey versus Tetsuya Naito in two matches that just in another year may have been a match of the year, and we also saw him one time on Dynamite with Aussie Open. Versus the Death yes. Triangle in a trios yes. match that was just fucking uh, insane.
3: That was yeah the trios the trios title was one of my was my favorite uh, TV tournament of the year. Uh, I really enjoyed that and getting to see Death Triangle and Aussie Open wrestle was a highlight of my year. Uh, I would say.
2: Of, speaking of Aussie Open, another one of my b- matches of the year. This was this wouldn't be top three, but it's probably top five was Aussie Open and FTR at Royal Quest. Ah. That was such an amazing, like, the last five minutes of that match are as good as the finish of any match that happened anywhere during any emotion this year.
3: Uh, I also want to give a shout out match wise, my favorite indie match of the year. And we have to talk about tours as well, because obviously, uh, we had a fantastic tour here. Uh, The Noro Suzuki's tour of the United States. Oh, Uh, murder grandpa. Murder grandpa. Who also had a match with he had one of my favorite matches actually he had two encounters with Eddie Kingston this year and both were banging every time they hooked up Uh, so I'm really happy about that but he wrestled you 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 got to see your dream match of Samoa Joe oh Samoa Joe
2: and oh Samoa Joe Minoru Suzuki I wanted to see that forever and I finally got to see it
3: it was that was cool like and and everyone gave him mad respect. uh this time around no cutting off his music too early like they did the year before. No, they, they <sighs> treated him respect. They He also did several indie shows. Uh, he wasn't just doing the mainstream AEWs. He was also on DCW and a couple other of the indie promotions. Uh, he was at the Effie's Big Gay Lunch, which runs equally to WrestleMania and had my favorite comic match of the year. Uh, him and Effie were so much fun. What the fuck? Effie and Minoru Suzuki wrestled.
2: Dude, I got I got to give I got to give Effie some points here as well cuz he wrestled two of my favorite Japanese wrestlers this year. Cuz he had that match with uh Minoru Suzuki, but he also had a death match with Jun Kasai.
3: Oh my god. Yeah, Sexy no time. I, I love effie effie is like one of my favorite wrestlers overall and i love him to death and i'm so he's you know he i got to see him live finally this year uh that was great and he's so fucking tall oh my god uh, he really is. <laughs> uh he's he's almost your height or might even be taller than you at this point uh so i don't know what his actual height is he's but he's tower everybody towers over me and i'm weak as you know uh so but yeah. you're weak but, yeah, I, I had to mention, we we said we had to make sure we mentioned Minoru Suzuki's tour, because that was just fantastic. Um, my favorite, you want to know what my favorite match of the year was?
2: Match of the year?
3: Yeah, my favorite match. Give it to, me. It's, Give not my, it to me. it's not a singles match, but it was um, the first Ring of Honor pay-per-view with STR and the Briscoes.
2: Super Card of Honor, WrestleMania weekend?
3: yeah. That's my choice.
2: Excellent. We've only got a couple minutes here. Can I give you a couple of my outs, and then I'll give you my match of the year?
3: The floor is yours, sir. Five minutes. All right. The
2: first honorable mention I want to mention was Blood and Guts, the Jericho Appreciation Society oh, yeah. versus the Blackpool Combat Club.
3: That was fun as fuck.
2: That was an outstanding, outstanding match. Another one I want to mention, and we all know I've said fuck Cody Rhodes so many times, but right before he left AEW, him and Sammy Guevara had a ladder match that was a fucking banger.
3: Oh, to the point that Sammy got injured. Yep. That was a I've got, killer match.
2: I've got a couple of matches featuring my boy, Tom, To, we watched that one where they legit the ever loving hell out of each other like they just decided no we're not going to pull shit we're just going to beat the hell out of each other in this one and then he had a match on again something I don't have on my bingo card if you had told me that Chris Jericho and here Ishii would have an amazing match on Dynamite where Ishii chopped him till he bled. I wouldn't have believed you.
3: You know, I kind of find it exciting that we're going to go into 2023, 2023 with heels having or or middle questionable people having the belts. Like, so you're, assu- you're you're
2: assuming you're assuming Chris Jericho gets past Claudio Castagnoli at uh, Final Battle.
3: I don't think they're going to give up the belt yet.
2: My my runner-up for match of the year is Sheamus versus Gunter at WWE
3: Which is awesome. Clash of the. That was a banger. Like those
2: two, those two left the ring with handprints all over each other. Well, like, they are That's really how crazy people. that match. And there wasn't a WWE match last year that would have made my top ten, and that one is my number two.
3: And, the and head, my okay, the, Hold on, I was going to add that that had my favorite pop of the year. Awesome. Yeah. Oh right. yeah. With, with the, my, every, the kick out moment where everyone thought Seamus won and he didn't. Yep. And,
2: Yep. The no, there was right. some, there were some near falls in that. That that entire Newcastle audience just was hanging on all of them. Like they played that one like pros. And I'm not normally a big Sheamus fan, but man, he brought it in that match. And my number one match of the year. And it's so funny because we didn't talk about our matches of the year beforehand. We kind of talked <laughs> about wrestling, but we didn't give our rankings. My uh-uh. match of the year: ROH Supercard of Honor, The Briscoes versus FTR.
3: Woo! <laughs> we great minds think alike, man.
2: That was the that was the best tag team wrestling match in the last decade, at least.
3: It it was divine. Like absolutely divine like uh, right. there right. was
2: it was a literal and I' very rarely say this this that was a literally flawless match
3: you never once in a while it like wrestling exceeds itself and transcends to art, and I would say that was art we saw it was that it was it's that's the one thing I love about pro wrestling sports can never become art, but wrestling occasionally can, and I absolutely. think. That, That is, they're going to teach that years to come in wrestling schools. They're going to show that match.
2: Yeah. You want to know how to do a match? Watch that. Absolutely. And that was the best match of 2022 in a year that was insane. Shit we thought would never happen. That finally happened. And, like in 2023, there's no like if 2022 was this crazy, and this line breaking and this border breaking, who's to say what can happen in 2023? It's going to be an amazing. Let's.
3: Well, I hope it is. We we have a, off to a good start. Um, we still have to get through these Deaf Triangle uh, uh, elite matches. They're still they're halfway through. And oh,
2: please don't threaten me with a good time
3: so happy twenty twenty two happy holidays, my dear. Thank you, Aaron, and thank you, Steve Barton and Raven. feel better. uh we're done for the night. We've talked and Thank you to, a,
2: and thank you to every one of you who at any point in twenty twenty two tuned in to listen to us talk.
3: Yeah, without you, you were, we
2: don't get to do what we love to do, so thank you whether all. We
3: we're streaming, whether you were listening live. Remember, you can always download this and take your time, especially on a three-hour show like this one. Uh, we, we will be back in uh, January, February uh, to cover Mardi Gras this year. Uh, and uh, we will also uh, have a show of our favorite films of 2022 uh, around Os- the, the day after the Oscar nominations, which is always an annual tradition. Uh, so happy holidays, Nathan, son of celluloid, voice of violence. And happy holidays to you
2: too, Adantris, and a happy uh, new year.
3: And I, in yes, to the 30 Southern sorcerer, I will see you on the flip side of new season number nine. Uh, if we do number nine and, uh, but we'll definitely do a round Robin of our favorite films. And I'm going to leave you tonight with a Christmas song. Uh from your CD, and once again, if you heard earlier, uh if you want one from Nathan, contact him or myself on Facebook, uh, PM uh, us, and send we a, will help send you me out. A
2: friend re- Send me a friend request, and on Monday, I'll be dropping a message about where you can find the download link.
3: So, yes, and it's a lot of fun, and listen to it, and this is actually, uh we're going to leave tonight because I only have time for one song, so I'm going to use Chugga Boom them after, uh, feed Them After Midnight, and uh, it's yes, it's exactly what you think it is. It's about gremlins. It's fantastic, and it's one of many songs, and it's a fun record. And thank you, Nathan, for always doing these. And good night, everyone. Good film hunting. Happy holidays, and blessed be. See you in January.
0: Quaint little place in China.